Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopture. Time codes for the movies that we talk about when we talk about them are in the show notes. There will be spoilers for certain things and not for others. Time codes in the show notes. Good to see where all three of you are in comparison to me in terms of the audio of internet lag. All three? <laughs> how, did, how is it? We just did, well, all two of you should say there's three Whoa. of us here. We just did a, a sync clap to match all our audios. We're on a three-way uh, Zoom call and I clapped. Moments later, Richard clapped and after that, Jeremy clapped, which is giving me a lot of really good information for editing this later. Mm. Hi, hi, editing AJ. Everybody say hi to editing AJ. Hi, editing AJ. Oh, Microsoft Outlook is asking me if I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Are you enjoying Microsoft Outlook? No, I'm not enjoying Microsoft Outlook. I don't hate it, but I'm hardly enjoying it. Yeah. Mm. It's like one time, um, oh no, anyway, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Cold Popture Podcast. You're joined and as usual and uh, annually as usual by AJ, myself, Richard, my friend, and Jeremy, my other friend and uh, sometimes host of the show. You really missed the opportunity for like a good rule of threes joke there. Mm. AJ, it's, myself, nice. Richard, my friend, and Jeremy. I that see. could have been one. I you're you're a lot more willing to roast Jeremy to than insult I Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't I don't like insulting people. Uh, I don't is, like Jeremy. <laughs> this is of course <laughs> our uh, annual episode of which usually two episodes. We're hoping not this time <laughs> because we didn't um, watch anything. Yeah, this is our most disappointing films of the previous year. Um, we've we've worded it before. Most I think every time it's been the most disappointing mm. films of the year of whatever year it is. But this year we're thinking of maybe retitling it to being uh, the most disappointing films that a. AJ saw in 2021 because <laughs> you guys really gave me the 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 burden living in in a city that was less locked down locked down yeah. than you of watching a lot of this stuff yeah by the way and if, if you're new to this this annual thing annual show we do by most disappointing that's just our end to be able to discuss an entire year mm. in film where at the end we each say what we thought was the either the worst film of the year or the most disappointing film yeah. of the year and because um, everyone yeah. always talks about what they think is the best and so you mm. think that that will stand out because we're just cynical and awful and talk about what's the yeah. worst this mm. will be the fifth 
most disappointing episode we've done. I think and it's going to be the first most disappointing episode we've done. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> very good. But yeah, you know, it's yet to catch off. Our our catchy way of doing doing most disappointing has yet to propel our podcast into stardom. Has this is this the fifth year? 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. It's the seventh. <laughs> it's, the seventh. <laughs> it's the seventh time we've done this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did we do Most Disappointed 2016, though? You weren't on it. It was Rowan, mm. myself, mm. and uh, Josh. Mm. Um, two uh, two hosts who don't appear on the Cold Popture podcast too much because they've been cancelled. <laughs> no, they have not. They listen. They like listening, but they we yeah. haven't found you really, the space for you them. You really bit on the wrong horse. Um, that mm. year. Yeah. Well, you weren't on the 2015 one. Yeah. Because yeah. once again, you bit on the wrong horse. I did. I hey, continue to do I, it. I was on it. Yeah, baby. Jeremy, a little fun fact. Jeremy actually predates Richard as a host of the Cold Popsha podcast. Hey, baby. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. It's like how um, Daffy Duck was invented before Bugs Bunny. Remember Evan? Mm. Oh, yeah, I do. He's a good guy. Didn't quite work out as staying on as, as a host, but we wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon there's like evan purists yeah sure yeah he's like it's like how in the first episode of star trek captain kirk's not even in it it's like that kind of situation mm. we all make make like mistakes early on in our in our like and yours was you know? evan no I, I, not mistake no he's a, how, like, he's a good guy he's a good guy richie cunningham has a um an older brother who stopped appearing in happy days after two or three episodes so it's sort of i like feel that. like I feel like I definitely am the Gunther of Cult Popsha. Like I was sort of sure, there in yeah. the first episode. No one really expected, but then I got given like a recurring mm. role, you know. Mm. And you're in love with one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I I personally prefer my Looney Tunes uh, metaphor, but look, we are maybe we'll you talk were throwing about out metaphors like nobody's fucking business. What we- would you do? Happy days. Looney Tunes <laughs> and Star Trek in the space of like a couple of minutes. Look, maybe we'll talk about Looney Tunes a bit later. I love eh? how before how the that? podcast, before the podcast, AJ was like, "Oh, Richard, are you going to take care of the hosting?" And nothing was ever decided. And I'm really enjoying he the fact that no one is hosting. Me an inch. No one is hosting this podcast. Richard's hosting. <laughs> Richard, what are we doing here? Um. Well, we're doing our most. You've you've explained it already, um, but what the way we do these is that it is there is a structure to it. Um, so at the start of the year, we went through like a list of sort of the biggest releases of film um, anticipated for this year, and now we're sort of revisiting that list. So we'll go through some. Uh, only one of us saw, some two of us saw, some three of us saw, um, and then some we want to talk about, but none of us saw. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll get that as we go through. But essentially, yeah, let's start off with in January, we mm-hmm. had a film called Malcolm and Marie released on Netflix, which AJ, I believe you were the only person who saw. Mm. So why don't you do your little thing? I'll do my little thing. I'll do my little walk on the catwalk. Um, they got cancelled this week, right, said Fred, so never mind. I will not make that joke. Um, <laughs> uh, so Malcolm and Marie, I was, I, it caught my attention when it was being advertised because it was kind of like, this looks like the schmaltzy uh, couples therapy bullshit that I'm usually quite partial to. Mm. Um, it stars... Um, uh zendaya and as john david washington yeah his name 
Um, and it's about like a. I'm not going to go through the plot synopsis of every movie, oh, but God. in this case, since it was a relatively um, obscure release, it's about like a filmmaker and his girlfriend who get home from like a successful premiere, and their relationships falling apart, and they argue for two hours, and then it ends. And I watched it after hearing just the most scathing reviews, <laughs> people being like, "God, this is insufferable. Malcolm is such an asshole. Like he's so clearly in the wrong the whole time." Um, and I don't disagree that he's he's in the, in the wrong, but I I'm sorry everybody. This is the kind of movie that is t- pointed at me to try and like get something out of it. And, and as much as I wanted to like be cool and be like, yeah, this this is a movie about a toxic relationship and it sucks. There are, there were plenty of moments where I like felt the emotion the movie wanted me to feel. And mm. I dare say I thought it was quite clever in places. Um, there were certain twists and turns that I absolutely fell for. It's a miserable movie, and I wouldn't want to watch it again. But um, yeah, first, yeah. first for the first movie of the year, thought it wasn't too bad. <laughs> well, good for you, man. I, it does um, feel like it came out three years ago, though, not two, yeah. not one year ago. Yeah. Um, so February had a couple of releases, Tom and Jerry and Cherry. Tom and Jerry mm. and Cherry. Um None of us saw that, correct? Any of those? No. Well, yeah, her I cherry I, was pretty bad. Yeah, her cherry is her Tom and Jerry was pretty bad. Mm. <laughs> um, so March, uh, I still haven't at this point. I still haven't watched the new film <laughs> um, this year. Uh, neither was Jeremy. But uh, we had Raya and the Last Dragon, the new uh, Disney mm. film, uh, which was released. Yeah, simultaneous release. I did watch this. I'm, and I'm starting to feel like when it's Christmas and everyone's getting handed out presents and one person is getting the the um the bulk load of presents over another. Um, yeah, I watched Ryan the Last Dragon. I uh thought it was okay. Um I think I was expecting something a lot better. Um and I just didn't really vibe with it as much as I did later Disney releases of the year. So nice. far watching you open your presents, I don't feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta you don't want to watch malcolm and marie after my you don't want to watch sam levinson's thinly veiled commentary at his own critics <laughs> <laughs> that's right it was about that yeah mm. that part was stupid i guess but I it's because it's what a large part of it is him just being as malcolm being like critics are stupid <laughs> mm. and as a critic um i agree i am stupid <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's now next up we had quite, uh, quite like a long uh, standing uh, part of these podcasts a mm. film called Chaos Walking which s- delayed seemingly endlessly uh, <laughs> but it actually finally came out in March of this year mm. starring Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley and you know after what like tw- so it was filmed in 2017 I believe and after what like four years of anticipation None of us saw it. <laughs> well, I mean, I heard it was real bad, but I also like I felt like we should talk about it because like it it as you say, it's been a mainstay on these most disappointing episodes or most anticipated episodes, I should say, that the sequels we do to these episodes. Mm. Um and I don't know, I thought it was interesting that like because remember when um Charlie Kaufman was had mm. apparently written the script, and you see what the movie is now. And partial, partly, it's like, how could Charlie Kaufman have ever wow. been involved in this young adult generic bullshit? But I do think so. The the movie is like set in a post apocalypse where women are extinct and everyone can hear each other's thoughts or something like that, right? Mm. And it does seem like a Kaufman esque idea to be 
a guy and a girl and the woman can read the and guy's And presumably yeah, it thoughts. is neurotic and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I can see a trace of the um Kaufman influence there, but it doesn't certainly didn't look like it, it retained any of it. It's just so interesting for something starring Daisy Ridley to come out now. Like, it, like mm. obviously filmed at a time where it was assumed that she was going to become like, you know, mm. it, she kind of had the same kind of steam behind her as um, Emma Watson did when the when the Harry Potter movies were mm. first kind of like similarly in wooden actors as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and and then yeah, just that that's gone nowhere. Yeah. Uh, So next up, we had a film, finally one that all three of us have seen and probably have a lot more to say about. Um, The long thought to be mythical, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, aka the Snyder Cut. So this was released on HBO Max. And yeah, so there's a fan campaign for a long time because uh, Zack Snyder left uh, filming Justice League and the film was a fucking mess. And in the last week, actually, a lot more sort of details have come out about that as mm. as Joss Whedon does his apology tour. Um, <laughs> the worst apologies I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, have you have you seen any of this, Jeremy? Have you caught up with this? No. Joss Whedon's been slowly getting cancelled for years, if you weren't yeah. up to date with that. Yeah, yeah. People have slowly been going like, hang on a minute, maybe he's yeah, not yeah. amazing yeah. and so- <laughs> super feminist. Yeah. yeah. So get one thing was like Gal Gadot said that on the set of Justice League, he threatened her... And he said, no, she doesn't fucking understand English. I, was, I wasn't I was threatening her, but she, like, ah, oh, she's such an idiot. And um, it's like, okay. Wait, 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 wait. And is, then- she the sim- is she the sympathetic character now? Because after the Imagine video last year, I'm fully on board with anyone who's discussed <laughs> that, that was two years ago, Jeremy. Oh. What? Oh. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh. Um, and one of the other things is that like, he was like, no, I, I had to sleep with these women. Like, I would have been such a loser if I didn't prey on these women. And I don't think I would have been able to live with myself. And then he also just casually mentions like, yeah, there was this four-year-old and I think I fucking killed him. Straight up. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry, what? It was the, this kid who wasn't comfortable swimming or and, and like in this pond. And Joss was like, no, nah, no, nah, you should go swim. And then he just left him and the kid drowned. And Joss is like, oh, and then 20 years later, I was like, I, I was wracked with this guilt. And it's like, yeah, because you killed someone, Joss Whedon. Yes, because you were absolutely negligent and whoever that kid's parents were would have been rightly like distraught and like blame you for the death of their child. Hmm. Mm. So anyway. Um, Very similar to his Justice League movie, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so um, after uh, like you know, after years of this, like release the Snyder Cut, and people saying the Snyder Cut doesn't actually exist, and it didn't really at the time, and such bad faith as well. Like maybe some of the mm. most like toxic, ugly fan stuff coming out at these yeah. moments. Um, and, and there's then, some you know, big it, competition for the most toxic, ugly yeah, fan no, stuff. Legit, legit, <laughs> legit. But yeah, the film was uh, Zack Snyder got given a bunch of money to finish it, and it was because of the pandemic, um, because. You know, Pee Wee was able to employ people and stuff. More like and a so- fandemic, am I right? <laughs> very Jeremy. good, Jeremy. That is very funny. <laughs> so the film finally came out. It was four hours long, which, you know, a lot of people sort of complained about. It was in four by three to preserve Zack Snyder's artistic vision. All three of us watched it. And do you know what? I 
fucking loved it. I thought it was incredible. This I, is I, without a, without a word of a lie, and this is one of the like this is one of the like you know few things that I'm actually quite passionate about, and. Yeah. But no one, like, I, I, other than if I go to, like, the deepest, darkest corners of the internet and find those Snyder fanboys who willed this film into existence, um, I, I struggle to find people that, that genuinely agree with me on, on this film because, I, I mean, I honestly, honestly, I was blown away by this film. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. You've, for, like, it would make sense if, like, you liked Man of Steel or Batman v Superman quite well, so a that's lot. that's the thing. But you've always been so ambivalent and, and, mm. and, you know, not caring about it at all. Mm. And this movie came out, I saw it before. We actually recorded a podcast yeah. that was, like, somewhat related to the Snyder Cut before you'd seen it, where I mentioned, must have mentioned on it that it was, like, whatever. And, like, I could not I we have you and I have yet to have a proper conversation about it and mm. maybe we've been subconsciously saving it for this <laughs> but but I just do not understand how you could love the Snyder Cut so much I don't get it I don't oh, get yeah. what what came over you J- Jeremy do you have any thoughts on it like uh yeah I um I you sound like you're calling you sound like you're like calling into our radio show and uh, yeah, you, I, you um, weren't expecting to be put on the spot. <laughs> long time listener. Um uh, I think the 14th time caller. Uh, <laughs> no, um no, so this came out and it was like Ezra was born like at the end of April, and I think I put this on one night when I was up with Ezra and I like started watching it and I was like, after about 10 minutes, I was like, I don't fucking care about any of this <laughs> and turned it off. <laughs> That's what it's like, man. It's to, to return to watch a second go round of a movie. I at best thought was not, you know, didn't stick in my memory. And at worst thought was like, like an abortion of a film. Yeah. yeah. Like to return to like, fucking like now remember cyborg. Well, the story you were told a few years ago, isn't exactly <laughs> what we had in mind. And it's like, I don't, care i never cared about these the characters. thing is that like i didn't watch Woman. i mean and, and and you know uh fans of the podcast will remember that i did not watch justice league and so mm. i was kind of like oh well you know good thing i never watched justice league because now i'll just get to watch like the real version of it straight away and and mm-hmm. and i won't have my you know my viewing tainted by joss whedon um mm. and i just i it started and they started doing like you know, the whole like in character introductions of like the flash and like all that. And I was just like, nah, nah, I'm so I'm not into it. Eh? Nah. Not, Wait, so did you time. watch the, the whole movie? No, not at all. <laughs> no, I just stopped. And I just was like, so, I don't care. A little, one of our famous peek behind the curtains here is that we actually have a Google drive uh, <laughs> and spreadsheet open where we've each, each marked when one of us has seen a movie and knowing that Jeremy's first marker is, is a lie, it does not bode well for, for the rest of the podcast. No, we hang, on, hang on a minute. Watch this I've one. Seen, I've seen part of it. I think that's, <laughs> I, 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 I have right. something to say about it. Um, so I... Yeah, like, like, so the, my thing about Zack Snyder's Justice League is like, I've always liked Zack Snyder as an idea, as a filmmaker. Like, a, as a person, he seems like the coolest 
chillest dude. I've said this so many times. But as a filmmaker, I love the idea of him. And like that the, the, he has this beautiful, distinct visual style. And it's like, and Zack Snyder's Justice League was the most concentrated version of this thing, which is Zack Snyder. It's like watching The Rock and seeing the most con- concentrated version of Michael Bay. And it's like, you can you still appreciate that movie. Mm. It's like, even if you don't like Michael Bay's style, it's just it's a hoot to watch something so purely and an auteur's vision. And Zack Snyder's Justice League was was there. And it was like this Man of Steel, as you said, I was ambivalent on. Batman v Superman didn't really like. And then Zack Snyder's Justice League, like going into it, I was like, the thing is, this whole time there was the um, release the Snyder Cut campaign, I was like, you know what? Like, good for him getting to finish this movie and put closure on this chapter of his life. But there's no way it's going to be good. Like Zack Snyder's, and I would say Zack Snyder's not a good filmmaker. Why would this one be the exception? And then I sat down on a Sunday afternoon and because this was the thing that like I I watched it a few days after it came out and a lot of people I know had already seen it. They're like, I would get a text at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. being like, all right, I'm going to try the Snyder Cut. And then I wake up to a text the next morning then be like, fuck, this is shit. And I, I put it on at like one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and it was just like that, you know, all weekend I was like Sunday afternoon, I'm watching the Snyder Cut and that and I put that whole part of my weekend aside and that's the way to watch this film it's it is four hours long it is divided into chapters you could watch it in chapters if you like but yeah i just gave myself over to the film and you know even like as a as a marvel fanboy and loving those kind of films which are so light and don't take themselves seriously again it's that thing of like seeing the the best most concentrated version of the opposite of that is was like this sight to behold and mm. it's like treating treating the justice league which are like these they, they're all pretty much literal gods like and treating them like that and treating the mythology of krypton and superman and, and you know, even the origin of cyborg as being like the same way that peter jackson treats the lord of the rings like with this like absolute like reverence for the source material and being like okay what would happen if that was real but not in the dark and gritty kind of way but in the like at gods have come to earth which is the ideas that man of steel and batman v superman toyed with but weren't quite there and maybe that was studio interference maybe that was Zack snyder still finding his feet whatever but justice league was able to pull it off and it's like this was the third go at something and he fucking nailed it and i like i I cannot sing the praises of this movie enough. Weirdly, I'm as weirded out as you are that I like this film. <laughs> my, my review for this film, which is like, I think my most liked review on Letterboxd, was just like, I am so mad at myself for how much I like this film. And I I still am, but I, I really think that this film deserves to be given a go in the way that it was meant to be given a go. And tell you what, as well, at the end of the film, when they cuts to Black and then for Autumn, his daughter... Um, who passed away during the, which is what caused him to leave the production originally. I fucking welled up like that. It was, and it, to me, that, that sort of the four autumn dedication at the end of the film 
was like it just added this extra layer of like i am so happy for you Zack snyder that you were able to put this to rest and you were able to shut this this chapter of your life and you know dealing with these inane fan this this fan campaign to release the snyder cut which didn't exist for so long and it's like people wanting to dig up this part of your life that you seemed like you're trying to leave in the past or um because i guess you know he thought he was never going to be able to do it and it was like i just i just felt so happy for this filmmaker who's none of his films i really enjoy that much but i just and this person i've never met but i was just like man good for you this is your magnum opus and seeing anyone's magnum opus i think is at the very least interesting look i'm very i'm very happy for you richard um probably more happy for you than i am for Zack snyder um and happy for <laughs> for the podcast as well to to have like i think i think it's a more interesting perspective to have one of us like it this much because otherwise we'd be talking about fucking the boss baby family business by now if you <laughs> liked it as much as and you. hey have i got some things to say no <laughs> <laughs> um look all i'll say is to call it a film feels like a misnomer it, because the, here are some of my problems with it i think first of all what is this creative vision of being in four by three if any like that was my one of my big issues with it is like why is this in four by three because you've got these shots of like these 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 um ensemble superheroes mm. standing along like this like in what's clearly intended to be a wide shot and i, so I thought that de- that detracted from the film may i defend the decision because mm. There, are, there is a lot of people saying like you know you, you think something four by three and you think it's cut off the sides what it actually is it's that it's given space to the top and bottom if you see shots that are used in both films it's not that he's cut the sides off the shot right, for yeah. the 16 by 9 shot it's that there's actually supposed to be more at the top and the bottom of it so it's 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 more it's closer to uh being like an imax kind of thing if you will right and um, the other thing is, is like, why is this four hours long? And I'm not saying that as like, why is this four hours long? I'm literally saying like, um, what is the reason? What mm. like it was announced as two parts, like very originally. That's true. Um, and the thing is, is that the reason I think this is four hours long is not because there's more plot in it than necessarily the Joss Whedon version. Like Justice it's League. Be- it's because it's it's under edited it's because there's a part where flash runs so fast he goes back in time and a sequence which should take about 10 seconds takes about a minute and a half it's it is a i consider it a masterclass in how to and what a film well not a masterclass just like a, an a interesting <laughs> experiment in what a film looks like before it's had a professional editor come along and cut it down. I, I, honest, honestly, like not just trying to be contrary. I thought this film flew by. Like I, I actually, I, I think I paused it, you know, and to go to the toilet or something midway through and was shocked at how far through I was, which very rarely happened. Like shocked because I was further through than I thought, which mm. often it's the other, the other way around. Mm. Um, I will say as well, just this, the versus justice league thing is that like, you can see why Cyborg was so pissed off. I mean, my God, he's the main character of this film. Mm. And he's great in it. His his um his storyline yeah, is just like the best one in the film. But he was done so dirty. He's just like a punchline and barely even there in the original cut. 
Well, I'll end on this. The uh, the extra scene they added with Jared Leto as the Joker sucked. It <laughs> was so bad and it's so funny that it like set up a sequel knowing they will never get one. Like it's so I kind of admire it for that, for being so fight the power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, anyway, that's that's all I have to say about that. Fight me in mm. the comments. So, uh, same same month, a film called Nobody came out, which was um, uh, John Wick starring Saul from Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk. Um, I saw this. Really, you, really you, wanted you guys, to see this. Never got round to it. It was on my it's, list. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's. I just watched it one afternoon. I think during lockdown, and it was like, yeah, this was a, a cool movie. Bob Odenkirk look, looks like he's having a ball. Nice. But then someone watched it. Uh, you know, a month later, and was like. Oh yeah, no. I think my parents watched it and said, and they were like, "Oh, we love Christopher Lloyd in it," and I forgot he was in the film. So <laughs> I, a, a couple months later, I realized when forced to think about it again, I realized didn't remember a lot about it. But it is just like <laughs> it's fun fight choreography, and it's yeah. an actor who ha- has never had the chance to be an action star before and is now given mm. that chance. That's a cool, cool concept. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, a film called Bad Trip came out. None of us saw uh, Godzilla vs Kong. Well, AJ and I have actually already recorded a podcast about this, but it's locked behind a paywall. So <gasps> I don't, I don't think we have. I don't think we did do a film franchise. I beg nights. your pardon. Did we for Godzilla vs Kong? Well, Jeremy, do you want to say your thoughts while I find out if that we did? <laughs> I think it was more we assumed that Godzilla was going to win Redux, and so we didn't do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna verify this. All right, all right, Jeremy. What did you Jeremy, think of you Godzilla vs Kong? Oh man, this was so long ago. Um, oh, this, is this gonna be our annual um, Julian Dennison bashing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Jeremy, uh, AJ, I need the um, authentication, two-factor <laughs> authentication for Patreon. <laughs> oh, what, um, AJ, why don't you just say the password on air? There's nothing that could go wrong. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, oh man, this is oh, like from my memory, this was fine. Like there was nothing horrendously bad about it. I don't mm-hmm. think, but like it just was there a reason for this movie to exist? Not really. Like contractual I, obligations being fulfilled, <laughs> pretty much. Right, and, and like it, the the it, ship had sailed on this franchise by the time this was well into pre production. So, I think. and the thing is, I like at the beginning, you know, the 2014, um, you know, Godzilla that was starting this whole monarch thing off, and you know, like I freaking loved that the Gareth Edwards movie. I thought it was beautiful. I it surprised me. It was done with a, a like a visual style that I was like, wow, I was not expecting it to be this beautiful. Um, you know, moments that just really captured me and 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 was far more. They had far more pathos and kind of you know uh, direction than I expected from an action movie. And so I was like, oh, cool, I'm kind of here for this. And then. Meh, it just turned into kind of wannabe Michael Bay Transformers shtick um, by, by no, the end of this. Not wannabe Michael Bay, thinking they're better than Michael Bay. Yeah, ex- like, well, exactly. Wanting to be smart, action, smart big explosion movie. Because um, I mean, the thing is, they started out with this whole Monarch thing, and it was definitely like, we're the thinking man's Transformers, that you mm, know we have mm. more going on to our movies. And then by the end of it, they had just they were just doing, they were aping the style. Uh-huh. Uh- but hey, look, Transformers never killed off clearly their best character 40 minutes into their first film. So 
they've got that going for them. Um, I, I similarly, I so I hated King of the Monsters, and I think anyone so bad. Anyone who says Godzilla King of the Monsters is secretly good needs to get their brain checked. Get their fucking eyes dunked on. Um, because I thought that was a mess, though I will say visually it's very nice to look at. Um, and uh, this, I thought, had better um, monster action. I didn't think it was mm. even that good in King of the Monsters. Yeah. This had better monster action and slightly more palatable characters despite julia dennison joining the cast <laughs> but like i thought um i thought brian tyree henry was funish and um i th- the weirdest thing i could say about this film is like is now in the age of uh disinformation is now really the time to do a movie where you confirm that the hollow earth exists yes because yes. that felt that felt like a misguided something which would be fine 10 years ago mm. harmless i dare even say is now like fueled by like a hop skip and a jump from flat earth QAnon. well even bullshit. even that like the heroes of this movie like the kids like hook into this podcaster who's got like the sort of inside word on how like the government and these evil corporations are trying to like cover up what's really going on and like yeah. I, it's just it was like oh this is not the time. <laughs> Not yeah. the time. And I, I, I feel like the it was really when they go into the center of the earth, it's just like there was just a real lack of um oh, I want to say the word gravity, but that again would be a pun and I don't mean Stop to make it. it. But like, Jeremy, can you please stop with the puns? I, Thank you. Sorry guys, I've got two kids now. Um <laughs> but genuinely like it just it was pretty but it just lacked, uh, like it just, there yeah. wasn't enough there for me to really hook into it and go. I mean, I guess possibly it would be that I watched it not in a in a theater, and maybe mm. if I watched it on the big screen, all of that stuff would probably have that heft to it. That, but mm. I also I really really struggle with um, mech versions of big monsters. I struggle That's to. Right. I, I, I struggle. I struggle to ever think that a a machine version that relies on kind of whirring parts and kind of cogs and gears and 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 power sources and stuff like that can be as kind of it, it's just it, having an organic being fighting with a robot either the robot should be so much stronger than anything organic and can just shoot a missile into it and then it will be dead or the robot is too clunky and mechanical for it to really ever be a, a proper um, foe for something mm. like a massive monster. Yeah. And that dichotomy is the bedrock on which we will build Godzilla vs. Kong, which mm. had Mecha Godzilla, so it wasn't even them fighting each other. We haven't recorded a podcast about this, which blew wow. my mind. But, um, yeah, I, I liked Godzilla vs. Kong. It's... Um, yeah, I, I I seem to recall you liking it as well, AJ, at the time. No, no, didn't thought it said the same thing about it as I said about it now. I'd also had a very bad date hours before seeing it and was in no <laughs> That's right. You're, but you were on a big dating buzz at the start of the year. Maybe you were going on dates like every fucking week. <laughs> different, different girls. Well, let's, what happened to that, AJ? Let's, let's keep our most disappointing 
uh, experiences of the year related to movies. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought it was fun, and it was like this was again. This was like one of the. Uh, this was like one of the first big like cinema releases of the year, or like of the pandemic. So That's it was true. just fun to see a big movie on a big scale, no pun intended, but, in in the cinema. Godzilla has scales. Ah, oh, okay. And and one I was of, like, is just calling them big? Is that enough to be yeah. a pun? <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it was just like a fun, and it was it was a market improvement on king of the monsters when i thought that after how shit that fucking movie was that and with godzilla vs Kong getting delayed so much i mean even before the pandemic and it got to like a few weeks before it was supposed to come out and there was no marketing for it and it's like that's always a bad sign but then yeah i thought the film was surprisingly good i had fun with it hmm. I, I i'm really bad at remembering what happened in the middle of this year because you know i had a baby um so i've gone back into so whatever ha- what happens whenever i'm watching a movie that i know that we're going to be talking about i always end up messaging you two about it and you both love it so much i know you do every time um so i've gone back to a, a message thread and said so i've started watching godzilla versus kong and i was pretty much enjoying it then 30 minutes hit fucking hell i forgot that julia Dennison is in this <laughs> what yeah. a punish we got so close to not talking about it, but there it is. Yeah, this is like if if Jeremy's watching a film that we have seen, and like we might have seen it months ago, and Jeremy'd be like, "Just put this on," and then half an hour later, be like, "Oh my god, what is he doing?" And we're like, "Yeah, it's it's he's trying, know, he's Jeremy. testing out his material for, to, uh, yeah. for the podcast." <laughs> but like all these, like, and we were watch when he's watching like Father Christmas is back, and it's like. How much context did you expect me to retain from this movie, Jeremy? <laughs> anyway, um, in April, we had a film which none of us saw, but I want to talk about. <laughs> and that is Mortal Kombat, a film which, AJ, you bet us, would mm. break the uh, the video game movie curse. And it did. And I was right in it. You bet us $10 each. So it's a total of $20 out of your pocket (laughs) that the film would break 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. What uh, are we talking? Beating both Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog. And it uh, hit 54%. Oh, God. So close. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we'll keep an eye out, Jeremy and Richard, for $10 in your bank account. Coming from AJ very soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> none of us even saw it. Uh, well, don't worry. If you didn't see it, it meant that you didn't pay the twenty five dollars that you would, that it would have cost mm. you, and so now you can pay that twenty twenty dollars to us. <laughs> All right, yeah. okay, that sounds uh, good. So in April, we also had the Mitchells versus the Machines, which was once called Connected, and then. Uh, well, it was originally called that and then renamed to Connected and then renamed back to its original title. It was released on Netflix, animated film, uh, executive produced by Lord and Miller. Um, and I thought this was fucking incredible. I thought this was so good. I've put this as um, my second favorite film of the year below Spider-Man No Way Home and just above Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> it, 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 the, the tr- if you look at the trailer, it looks very like it's going to be Ah, oh, kids don't. Uh, kids spend too much bloody time on their phones. 
but it's it's more than that. It, it is obviously about you know reliance on technology and stuff like that. But mm. oh my god, it's it's just funny. It's got the same like beautiful animation style of like uh, Into the Spider Verse, where it's like two D elements on three yeah, D yeah. animation, and it's just it looks incredible. Yeah, and it's fucking hilarious. And uh, yeah, cannot recommend this movie enough. Uh, it's also like a fun little bit of representation at the end um, when the main character's mum asks if she has a girlfriend um and she has like a pride pin on her jacket the entire movie and it's one of those things that it's like it's just a nice little line uh in the film and some people say that's not enough and that she should have had a girlfriend in the film or something like that but it's like it's a it's a family road trip movie you know she didn't need a love interest Mm. in that in the film so yeah, this this unfortunately bumped its way to eleventh on my my uh, <gasps> ranking of of the year. So just out of the top ten, I'm so sorry, Mitchell. Well, you saw machines. you saw too many movies, AJ. Yeah, you saw you saw too many than, movies. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Like you you usually hate watching movies. Like yeah, hate it to the point where I like I've recommended films to you for years, and you just go. Uh, yeah, I'm look, listen, dude, I'm probably never going to watch it. And, and I just have to live with that. And this year you watch like Stallone's Cliffhanger. Like, what, where the fuck is, where the fuck is your content from that? Whoa, what? It's because I live with um, new flatmates now who deeply enjoy like trash cinema. So they, oh, yeah. I, I watch a lot more stuff. So you, uh, you live with new flatmates whose opinion on movies you care more about than Richard's. No, no, no. I'm just in the room when they put on one of these movies. Look, a all I'm right, saying, okay. AJ, is you watch so many fucking films this year, one of them could have so easily been Paddleton. Yes, Paddleton. Yes, Paddleton. Mitchell vs. the Machines is to the is to Zoomers or Gen Z as they keep telling me they'd prefer to be called. Um, it's to Gen Z what the Lego Movie is to Millennials. I think it's 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 truly the first like movie I think to capture or harness the Gen Z sense of humor without it feeling forced. Um, a great example is there's a part in this movie where. Um, like this crazy meme is playing out on a computer and one of the things it says is legalized tapioca and that made me guffaw <laughs> um and i think it's a it's a it is and like the frenetic style of it i think is very familiar of like the types of memes i don't quite understand that i see on my tiktok for you page these days um and i think that's really cool and i think uh it's a really fun movie that that it would be like a great watch with your family and and um i'm maybe i should need to give it a rewatch, and maybe it'll mm-hmm. climb the ladder above uh above the number 10 spot but yeah i don't know what's number mm-hmm. 10 number 10 is the suicide squad <gasps> oh my word uh, uh so this- jeremy Thoughts? I watched the whole movie. Ah. <laughs> um, I I freaking loved this movie. This this surprised me. I said this is the most surprising movie of the year because I had no expectations, had not seen anything about it really, and it just charmed its little way into my heart. And to your point about it being like a firmly Gen Z movie, this is definitely the first movie that I notably like felt too old for aligned them. myself with the parents of the movie <laughs> rather than the- <laughs> I was just like you know they were my identifiable characters that I was just like oh yeah good on you oh that's great yeah. um <laughs> um 
I just, I just, this, this clipped along. It had great like action set pieces. It was beautiful. Like the design of it was beautiful. Like the way that all of the little like pods that were holding the humans like clicked in together, you know, like in the ship that was going to take them all out of space. Like it just, everything was cool. It was just so cool. And I have recommended this movie to so many people who are like, I really want a good movie that like my entire family can watch and all of us can enjoy it. And I genuinely believe like, I mean, that is Lord and Miller's sweet spot, right? Of just Mm. like finding a way of just no matter how old, no matter how young, like you will enjoy this and you'll just genuinely have a time that draws you together in humor. And I, there's so few films these days that aim to do that. And I think that this aimed and succeeded and it was awesome. Nice. I loved it. Well, that's great. So then uh, what do we have? Army of the Dead, which AJ, you've noted that you want to have a, a little rant about. And Indeed. Jeremy and I haven't seen. So mm, and I I've just realized- will grab my seatbelt and strap <laughs> myself in and I'm ready to feel the G's. Can can you can you give me like a timestamp here? I'm just gonna go get a glass of water. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, his second film in six months to come out. Um, and second I film having, in like two months. Yeah, true. Um, I mean the first six months. Sorry, more like you know, if you're gonna have two films come out in the same year, have them come out at either side of the year. Surely, Ridley Scott, Zack Snyder, what are you doing? I remember having very strong feelings about this movie. And maybe I can't remember those. And so maybe I was a bit foolhardy by <laughs> putting down that I want to rant about it. Well, how do you guys feel about spoilers? Are we not spoiling the movie because you haven't seen it? I do not care about well, Army depi- of like, the Dead. Is it something? Yeah, I don't, yeah whatever. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really didn't like this movie. And it came, and when, it, when I first watched it, I gave, I rated it immediately like three and a half stars. And then within the hour, it was down to like two stars. Like <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I considered stuff. <laughs> I was really excited to see Zack Snyder do another zombie movie. Um, and it, it looked kind of cool. But then I he had really to go liked- and make it a heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand it. Um, I really like Dave Batista and I really like seeing him like as a lead character in something. It's super cool. Um, but this is a movie which kills off the wrong characters. I'll put it that way. There's many problems with it. There's things like there's real random shit in it. Like they'll they'll lay the groundwork for like a mystery and then never return to it. So like at one point the leader zombie is like, oh, it's, it's like they. What was it? There was something like one of them's pregnant and one of them has like borderline supernatural abilities and it never goes into it. At the end, when they're fighting their way out of the casino, they you see them shoot some zombies that turn out to be robots and that's never addressed presumably it's <laughs> going to be addressed in the like wider ramifications of the mm. Zack Snyder's new army of the universe which we'll talk more about later um that he's wanting to do or at least wanting to to lead he's already done it man well he didn't direct it though so yeah but he it's it's here yeah uh, but it's it's not just like the, that, that there's robots and, and they're not gone back to. It's there's robots in it and no one in the film goes, was that a robot? <laughs> like, so like you're left as a viewer being like, what what did I just see? That felt very inconsistent with the movie I just watched. Anyway, the whole movie is like this crew going to save a character. And like, I'm pretty sure 
the character dies. Like everyone dies. Almost every character dies, including right. like the the heart and soul of the film, or so, it was something like that. That really just made me be like, "What is the storytelling, man?" And it just really, it just was, it was, it was characteristic of all the problems that I've had with Zack Snyder movies mm. in the past. Well, so. I'm sorry he used all his incredible storytelling talent to make the Justice League. Clearly, clearly. Mm. So, Spiral from the Book of Saw. None of us saw it. <laughs> uh, Quiet Place we're Part Two. Spiral out of control if we keep <laughs> talking about movies. Yeah, if we if we don't talk about any of these things, we're going to be in a quiet place. <laughs> yeah, uh, Quiet Place Part Two. This was kind of like the big example of a film that was delayed. It was one of the first films to get delayed at the start of the mm. pandemic in 2020, and then. This was, I think, the prime example of a film being unable to sustain hype for that long. Absolutely, dude. So yeah. this yeah. none of us saw this, which I think is incredibly significant. We all really liked the first one. <laughs> because and Jeremy and, and I saw it. It was together. a real moment. It was a real moment in Richard and my friendship. <laughs> was Some it? would say the only moment in our friendship. Oh, okay. That sounds like a story that you Well, we to- saw it together. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was the first movie no, we saw together. Like, like, just this was marketed for too long, and by the time it came out, I was like, I don't care. I nearly sat down and watched it one time a couple of weeks ago, and instead I watched a different film. Um, <laughs> and and a, I could probably a, figure out a different out, film directed by Zack Snyder. I could probably figure out what it was if I was if I was savvy enough, but I can't, and I won't. Um, this, yeah, I just I just thought that this was like such a like what a statement on the times and the other movie i would say this about that was marketed for too long um was the king's man which also spoilers none of us saw um well it only least, came out like a week ago at least a quiet place I part two is apparently pretty good so yeah it's weird i actually didn't hear anything about it now that i think about it i heard good things i heard it was good but i just never saw it never, well and never will i'm pledging to never watch A Quiet Place Part 2. It's my new, um, what was that movie I refused to see? Pacific Rim. Um, I'm in Paddleton. <laughs> <laughs> you also refused to see Pacific Rim, though. Mm, that's true. Uh, yeah, Cruella. Uh, Jeremy, you watched Cruella, surely. No. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Why would you I not know. watch the Cruella de Vil movie? I know. It was even like marketed to me by Disney Plus for a very long time. Well, it was marketed. That wasn't specific to you. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that was to everyone. It's not. There is an algorithm, AJ. <laughs> the algorithm cares about me. Well, the algorithm advertised everyone, Cruella. Uh, w- Richard and I have recorded thoughts on this that are behind a paywall. Uh, we probably did it, did Cruella instead of Godzilla. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, Cruella, uh, surprisingly great time. Great. It's just shy of great for me. It's 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 got a really good first half. I'll say that. Yeah, sure. It, it, it's it's such a fun movie, though. Like, for, for, for a film that I thought was going to be garbage i think everyone assumed it would be but it's like um i remember my main sort of takeaways from it and you know for more thoughts check out our patreon uh, that I, I remember thinking as soon because you start with like a young emma stone well not actually played by emma stone but a young cruella and then you know she ducks her head off screen and then emma stone pops back up on screen and i just thought fuck i've missed you emma stone <laughs> like we haven't mm. seen her in so much but god like just what a fun person to watch on screen mm-hmm. and doing this kind of role where it is fun and it's like it's about her being quirky and stuff like that and um 
yeah i, I was uh, the the big thing that that the big discussion point around this film is that corella's mum is killed by dalmatians in the film and people were like my god the writing in this film look at this moment i can't believe they did this i think that moment in the film was supposed to be funny this was like a big argument on the episode we talked about it but it's <laughs> like i like it's the 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 director of the film like looking at his other credits it's like he's in on the joke he knows like what it, it's it's supposed to be like a a silly not not like not necessarily like a laugh out loud moment but you're supposed to be like i see what you did you know if you say so man i don't think i agree i think it was it feels more like a studio mandated idea um what I what I will say is that anyone who didn't want to see this because who wants to sympathize with Cruella Deville, it's not a prequel. It's a retelling. Yes, yeah, it's, it's I, changing I say... her character and her story mm. so that she's not the literal monster that she yeah. is in Hundred. I, I would say that it's um, this is to Hundred One Dalmatians what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is to real life. <laughs> it's like it it it, it plays finally with, someone did that yeah but it's like it, it plays with the fact that you think you know where the story is going the whole time and yeah. doesn't do that yeah true so uh conjuring devil maybe do it none of us saw none of us want to talk about in the heights and peter rabbit 2 the runaway jeremy you didn't see either of these but you've marked that you wanted to talk about them i was wondering if that was maybe as a duo you wanted to talk about <laughs> um maybe no, no. do do a compare and contrast, uh, which is the highest level of um, of analysis, analysis, according to um, <laughs> NCEA. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I didn't do NCEA. I was the last year of bursary. Thank you very really? much. Really? Oh, I didn't know we had that cultural divide to talk uh, about. Oh yes, <laughs> it's like add it to all the other cultural divides. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so. But the reason I want to talk about Peter Rabbit too, I just found it so interesting. I listened to a, I listened to a film review podcast called Wood Attainment with um, uh, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo. And Mark Kermode, how many fucking a, film podcasts do those two have? Why just call it one thing? Why do they all have different names? What? I feel like Kermode has and Mayo have like three or four film podcasts. No, they just have one. All right. He he does reviews okay. for the for the Observer and like the Guardian, um. But then they have one podcast that okay. it's like it's the BBC uh, Five um pod, film podcast. Anyway, I've derailed so, you with the most boring thing. Yes, I'm, thank I'm you. so and, bored. And, AJ. Anyway, so Mark, Mark I feel Kermode, like I'm watching um, bloody um, uh, Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark Kermode hated. Peter Rabbit, and he's quite well known for like very, very ranty uh, film reviews on stuff that he absolutely hates. He's kind of the king of doing a really ranty, horrendous. Like, if you go on YouTube and just search Mark Kermode reviews, you'll find his ones on like Sex and City 2 and all that sort of stuff. And so, a true Kermodian rant. He did a true Commodian rant on Peter Rabbit, the first film, um, in which he sort of suggested that the the movie should be uh, should not be named Peter Rabbit because it bears absolutely no resemblance to the IP Peter Rabbit, um, and really the new name it should be given is just Annoying Rabbit, um, and so <laughs> that's why he's and, the king. What's, <laughs> um, what's really interesting is this year. Uh, he did a review of Peter Rabbit 2 where he was like, holy crap, this movie's actually really good. And it's like 
the director listened to my review of the first one and then actively tried to pay recompense. He probably did, to be honest. Then they had a review... Oh, sorry, they had an interview the next week with the director of the film where the director of the film was like, yeah, of course I listened to your review. I, listen, I read all the reviews and I thought you made some really good points. And so I wanted to like, you know, answer my critics. Are you telling critics. me Peter Rabbit 2 is a good movie? Apparently. Apparently it's much better. Um, wow. I, I've, I'm not going to bother watching it. But yeah, um, it was... And I the just the it was... Rotten Tomatoes difference between these two movies is negligible. Right, well, Rotten Tomatoes Peter, is always correct too. Peter Rabbit has 64, Peter Rabbit 2 is 67. Sure, sure. But yeah, anyway, I just thought, I thought that was so interesting though, having a director basically you know, answer his critics through film um, and, and actually cop to a lot of their criticism. Mm. Yeah. And the same thing within the Heights? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the Heights, I'm a little bit disappointed I... Um, I didn't watch it um, because it was one of the big musical drops this year. I nearly went on a date to see it, but then the date got cancelled. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my god, AJ, you went on dates. We get it. Thank, thank, thank you. Oi, with us the a, dates already. <laughs> thank you for providing us with a through line to this this podcast. Got to come from somewhere. No, I just I thought that there was over a, my the, dead body. It was going to be puns that are the through line of this episode. Mm. Right, we've had a little break and Jeremy's outside now. He got kicked out of his house for some reason. I feel like we just need to bring that up mm. because otherwise the audio might sound different. His marriage is falling apart. Um, <laughs> so also in June, we had Luca, which mm. was a new film from Pixar, which was put straight onto Disney+, Plus, which uh, seems to be all the, the done thing now with Pixar movies, uh, much to Pixar's chagrin. But uh, Luca, yeah, it's a, it's Call Me By Your Name, but with sea monsters. Yeah, and I loved this film. I, it was my number one for a long time. It's now my seventh uh, yeah. highest film of the year. Uh, what I really liked about this film, and it's one of the rare 2021 movies I saw twice, <gasps> um, what I really liked was about it is that... Date? No, I'm sorry. Um, what I really liked was that instead of like um, Pixar, they make these movies and they're these these like global water cooler moments because they're so gut punching and sad mm. and and stuff like that. And you forget like they're allowed to make ones that aren't like, what if you're emotions died <laughs> you know like, they're allowed to, they're allowed to make ones that that aren't like plumbing the depths of of your emotional being and i think this is an example of that mm. where it's still it's still really good and it's you know it's still got some emotional beats in it but it's it's not it's not um inside out and it's not toy story mm. 3 you know it's just a fun it's super fun cool visually mm. awesome movie set in a cool setting so it's it's obviously inspired by the works of Hayao Miyazaki and i mean the mm. the town they live in is called Portoroso which is based mm. off Porco Rosso the the film but it's like it's that kind of similar to that sort of Miyazaki and thing of like movies where you kind of expect something to go wrong or you go okay right we've got the the sort of setup uh, we know the world what's the inciting incident and there doesn't really need to be one it's just kind of a nice and like you know there is stakes and all this kind of stuff but it's just a nice film about friends you know and why can't we have more of those okay <laughs> well i'll tell yeah, you why you can't have more than the, more of those because because you're I, on your bloody phone the whole time <laughs> i got i got bored and stopped watching it 
No! Oh, Jeremy. <laughs> you have children. What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. After the first scene and when they were in the town and like the the Vespa and stuff, I was like, and they're like, oh, we're going to we're gonna make our own Vespa. I was just like, no, I don't care. Great, great stuff. I don't Are care. Are you telling Justice. me that this is the second fucking movie you said you watched on our list that you didn't actually watch? There's an orange marker that you could put instead nah, of a green marker. I didn't say watched. You're, you're I insane. Said, you're I insane. Say, <laughs> I didn't say watched. I said seen. Seen is different to watched. No, it's not. You, it is. You haven't seen the movie either. I have seen parts of the movie, which oh. means like so. So on on when you see, when you have says, also watched parts of the movie. It's the same. I yeah, <laughs> seen to me. Like if 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 you see Facebook Messenger says seen, do you think that the person has read every part of the message, or if they yes, notice and that that's what makes me so anxious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I thought there what were things that I really really liked. Of your position, Jeremy. there were things I liked about the movie. Seen really, and watched are different. <laughs> I, I, I loved. <laughs> it's just tr- truly the hottest take oh my god on the podcast in a while it's got nothing to do with movies it's just to do with the different and also of words. jeremy like you're in the dark now outside so we can't even see how pissed off you are at us we can watch can, it though you can harumph <laughs> your, 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 as much as you want jeremy <laughs> oh good times uh i really liked i loved the swimming um in the beginning i love the underwater like the way that you should see it at the end (laughs) (laughs) oh man no i mean you know it was it was cool but like you say it was just nice and i think at the time i just didn't have a lot of bandwidth um and Mm -hmm. so i needed something that was going to grab me uh i was watching a lot of 20 minute tv shows uh, and I think my attention span was around that point. Because you're on and, your bloody um, phone, Jeremy. Look, God, mm. just take in the world mm. for a mo- moment. You might notice you have mm. two children. Stop seeing the world and start <laughs> watching the world, Jeremy. <laughs> All right, we found the through line. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so also, um, uh, another director who released two films this year was Edgar Wright, one of our favorite uh, directors. <laughs> You see, this is such obligation. That's right, Internet. He's one of our favourite directors. <laughs> Us, the Internet, one of our favourite directors. Uh, yeah, Edgar Wright released two films, The Sparks Brothers in June and then Last Night in Soho later in the year. Um, and I only watched one of them. AJ, you only watched one of them. And Jeremy, he just didn't even see any of them. I'm not included. <laughs> when you say one of our favourite directors is Edgar Wright, that doesn't include me. Well, maybe it doesn't include me either, Jeremy. <gasps> so Rich is talking about herself in the third person again. I mm-hmm. haven't seen The Sparks Brothers. Was it good? Uh, it was good, yeah. It was a fun movie. Um, and It's a documentary, right? It's a documentary about the band Sparks, uh, who might pop up later on in the podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's, but it, it's... It's very interesting because the whole the whole sort of hook of it is it's like this is the story of your favorite band's favorite band. So it's like the super influential band, but never really made it overseas. And it's like a true story. It feels like you know Forgotten Silver or something. It's like Forgotten Silver meets meets Walk Hard, but it's a true story. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but as far as as a documentary goes, it is very much just like the 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 storyline of the band. It's like 
first they formed as a band then they released this album then they released this album then they released this album so it's, it's very linear and yeah but it is a fun it flows nicely and you know it introduces you to a fun new band if you like them nice cool next a movie that we all watched as far as i'm aware who knows at this stage uh, yeah i mean jeremy was doing his typical live tweet um in our in our facebook messenger <laughs> um chat as he watched it what like last night or the night before and that's uh f9 which aj and i have again already recorded a mm. podcast on but th- this was another Can't one wait of to the... echo these thoughts <laughs> on yeah. this, version. this was another one that you and i actually ended up disagreeing quite a bit on but um it's it's very rare that you're the one who likes something and i'm like and as as we've established before in in day-to-day life you're a more joyous person than i am but when it comes to uh bad movies i'm the joy finder When you when you set that up and you were like, um, AJ AJ and I disagreed on this. I thought you were gonna be blah, but as usual, he's actually come round to my position and now agrees that this is a good movie. Do you? No. <laughs> I thought that's what you were gonna say. Just like flagrantly put words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you were led to believe that I would say that. <laughs> uh yeah jeremy you you only just watched this what did you think of it long time listeners may may be aware that i am a massive defender and fan of the fast and the furious shit um Mm. it is glorious and wonderful and enjoyable Mm. shit another fun moment in our friendship we went to go see hobbs and shaw together after i got run over by a car that's right what a (laughs) moment what a moment i i have to say only good movie memories with you um father christmas is back (laughs) (laughs) so i was very very excited about f9 Mm. and boy howdy was this the movie where the wheels fell off (laughs) really oh man i don't know Richard. everyone thinks this dude you're like, the weird one for thinking it's just as good as the others. I I, I don't see why this one's worse than the I, others if Richard, you like the others. Richard, the I reason... Dis- I disagree. I mean, I can't disagree with how you see something. I yeah, I mean, like, like five and seven, I think, are legitimately good movies. But this is like, people act like this is a massive step down from eight. And it's like, do we watch yeah, the same Richard, movie? Richard, Richard, it is a massive step down. And you know why? Because we stepped down from The Rock to Vin Diesel. Like, mm. there is no rock in well, this Vin movie. Vin Diesel was already and in it. We get John Cena, though. But John Cena, who is given nothing to do. Like, he's he doesn't have any fun in this movie whatsoever. Because John Cena basically has to be whatever Vin Diesel needed him to be to play that part. And without The Rock kind of winking at the camera, the problem, Vin Diesel thinks these movies are incredibly serious texts on family and loyalty mm-hmm. and what's important in life with really, really crazy action, right? And so mm-hmm. we spend altogether too much time with Vin Diesel in this movie. Like, it just, it's so so much and without the rock winking at the camera and just being like hey i know right <laughs> hey this is awesome it's just and and so what what you're left with is you're left with these incredibly these moments that are meant to be super serious like 
it's like the whole movie is the final 10 minutes of was it fast six or fast seven after paul walker died and they do like a very very emotional (laughs) send-off it's fucking brilliant they want they want to you they want to go back to the emotional depth of that moment but without the real world loss of a real person and so you've got all this time we're like back in time and without the soothing voice of charlie puth (laughs) like all this time back in time with young with young with with young dom and young dom's brother and yeah they they godfather to it (laughs) Yeah. Like honestly, and, and the best thing about it is that they cast like Vin Diesel was the executive producer, so everything that goes on in these movies, Vin Diesel was signing off on, right? And he casts someone who is so much taller than the guy who's supposed to be young John Cena as the, his younger self, and it's just like the arrogance of that, and like ham-fisted dialogue that's like we've got to try and tell the audience what's going on here in a dialogue scene. So you get things like. You're Toretto's other son, right? You're the useless one, yeah? And then <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, all right. And then there's there's a moment, and also like Charlie. Jeremy, you're reading pre-prepared notes off your phone. I I wrote down quotes do because here. they were so they, they were so ridiculous. <laughs> and then then Charlie Theron's cipher was basically so obviously only in only in the studio for like one or maybe two days of filming and so everything that she does in the entire movie is just her wearing the same clothes stuck in this one place and she has this amazing moment in the movie where she goes i'm thinking that right about now if this was a movie this would be the point where a villain where the villain has a terrible setback and it's just like oh and then what does she not know it is a movie (laughs) <laughs> but the, it's it's something it's something like Fast and Furious because it's made by meatheads. They pick up on things from the rest of pop culture, including something like oh, meta humor. And Vin Diesel's like, I can do that. <laughs> I can put that in in my very surface level, very sincere movie. Well, like even bringing back Han, you know, like yeah, we it's finally just, got justice for Han. How cool this, is that? This whole movie, but he didn't ba- even kill Jason Statham. That's justice. That's for, Han. for number ten. He the post credit <laughs> scene he visits Jason Statham. But oh man, <laughs> it's just like there the action in this. There was no. There was nothing. There was nothing special about the action in this that like rivaled like the cars jumping between buildings or the rock like picking up a missile launcher that was strapped that was originally strapped to a um a helicopter and like shooting it himself or like the, it's, it's just, the best action nothing- sequence in the franchise is um Jason Statham protecting the baby on the plane. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um I mean there was just too much about this movie that was like Okay, I just don't care about this anymore because it's so just, just so untethered from any reality, and and yet you're making me like slog through these big long scenes that apparently have emotional depth, and I don't care about it all because Vin Diesel thinks that he's this amazing dramatic actor, and I'm I'm just over it. I'm over Vin Diesel. He's ruined his own franchise because he has so much ego, and I'm 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 done. I mean, I'll watch the rest of them. I but agree. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I ranked this fifth. Um, I think you're insane, Richard. I think you're insane for ranking. It this was one. fourth. I I moved um, Justice League um, ahead of it. I've thought about this all year about how high you fucking rated F nine. It's driven me insane. I well, don't the understand. Thing is, I'm the one who feels happy. 
You 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 guys are the miserable ones. I pity you. Keep telling yourself that. Keep tell. Keep pitying us, man. I'm sure it feels good. It does. Oh, sorry. Just last thing. Last thing on F9. There's this moment where um where where Ludacris um is talking about. Is it Ludacris? Yeah, Ludacris. He's like he's like. Have you ever noticed that we've done so much stuff and we should have died so many times? And it's Tyrese Gibson. Is there something going on? And it's like, oh, just this okay, I, I will say on that. So it's, yeah, Ty- Tyrese Gibson and, and Ludacris are like the two characters. They get their own little side adventure and they're the kind of comic relief characters. They end up in space. Um, it is this weird thing. Where I, I was actually like, Oh, they're doing something really interesting because yeah, he do, he does. You're like, we should have died so many times by now. And I thought what they were doing there is that it was like Jacob has been behind the whole thing and has been keeping them alive for a certain reason. And it's like you're narratively like you know, it's a very it's very convoluted. But I thought they would be like, oh, they're narratively justifying how they've gotten away with all the stuff. And like when people shoot at them, they never actually hit them. But it's like, no, just them having a little meta conversation. I I thought it was gonna be the Metachlorians moment where it was actually gonna be like we are chosen by God or something. Like I thought it was a moment where like the, the series was actually going to cop to something going on. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be so bad, mm. but it was, it was just fun. Slightly fun less bad. Cardi B though. I think I am valid in saying I didn't like this because for the guy that, you know, I, I hate watching bad movies. I don't really have much. I really well, hate watching for- movies altogether. That's true. Um, Unless you're I have, on a date, which is all I, the time. <laughs> I have like very few movies that I like ironically love. I have very few movies that I think are just dumb fun. Um, but I feel valid in critiquing F9 because I think Furious 7 is five stars. I think Furious 7 <laughs> is ironically, it may be the only ironic love I have for any movie is Furious 7. Like, and so it's, I feel like what I'm saying is like, I get it. I get what this franchise looks like when it's at its peak. And I think they have jumped the shark. Well, like F- Fast Five, I think is like a great action movie. And but that's at, not at dumb speed. enough to be yeah, yeah. whereas like, like seven seven goes dumb enough but then also has the emotional gut punch of the end which i think is like actually really well pulled off um yeah. but i think yeah i i do still think if you're looking at what this what this franchise looks like in its ideal it's fast five um f9 i will say it probably got bonus points for just me being in a good mood at the time and it being a big release on the cinema you know and you and you not having just been run over yeah um so july we have a few movies here but we won't um talk about most of them uh tomorrow war didn't see boss baby didn't two didn't see forever purge didn't even realize it came out did they actually come out surely that didn't come out <laughs> that's me with every other purge movie as i i didn't even know it came out oh that's right no it did come out <laughs> uh so fear street they we had the trilogy come out a week like one week apart we did a whole fucking film franchise fortnight's episode on it it probably wins my my prize for most disappointing films of the year because my <laughs> god were these fucking garbage i thought these sucked so bad yeah man but listen to our film franchise fortnights for more it's it's actually quite a good episode i think as well black widow we just recently recorded an episode on jeremy didn't see so there's you're not getting any new thoughts our main uh if you want our thesis statement on black widow it's that it was fine but not good enough to justify its own existence 
This is much bit. like me, but I'm trying to make a self-deprecating joke, but I didn't plan it enough. Uh, but next up, we've got a, a film that AJ has uh, prepared. I've prepared. <laughs> uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, a film hmm. which I had fun with. I didn't mind. Fuck <laughs> off, man. This is the worst movie of the year. Like, no doubt. This, and unless you count fucking Father, Father Christmas is bad. Yeah. And shit. This is, this is the worst movie of the year. And I think a I like, ranked it fucking sixth. loathsome, offensive, bad fucking. Did you rank it sixth? <laughs> no, I rank it 23rd. Oh, um, my God. So it's just below, it- just below Love Hard, just above Halloween Kills. I ranked it 51st, which is just above The Princess Switch 3, David and the Elves, Castle for Christmas, and Father Christmas. (laughs) So truly like the worst actual proper movie of the year. And when it came out, I I wrote down some reviews, and I would love it if you boys would let me do an uninterrupted... Would you you shut up and let me talk to you? I just think it'll be funnier if it's uninterrupted. Okay? Okay? All All right. Here is a list of things I fucking hated about Space Jam, A New Legacy. All right. It is a disgusting celebration of the worst parts of cop culture. It creates so if a cynical. Just allow me to introduce you, keep yeah, it creates a cynical corporate view on art as it indiscriminately co-ops everything Warner Bros has its claws in. It's just a big commercial for mostly twenty-year-old stuff nobody cares about anymore. Furthermore, using the Looney Tunes to flex all the stuff Warner Bros owns feels like such a betrayal of the spirit of Looney Tunes, a cast of characters originally created to be the smarmy alternative to Disney are now bastardizing their own brand in a more capitalist way than Disney have ever done. The Looney Tunes are far too aloof and simple for a law-heavy plot. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They're essentially a set of tools to show off funny jokes and silly sketches, not storylines full of narrative arcs and character development. I don't need to see Bugs Bunny get closure or speak on themes of family and sacrifice. This is a character who is at his best sarcastically torturing other cartoons, giving the world of Looney Tunes emotional depth is so fucking bizarre and feels like a completely different style of storytelling to the one used in the classic short films for which these characters are so well known even the subtitle of the film a new legacy feels like a bizarrely earnest description of a movie starring 80 year old company mascots famous for blowing each other up uh, the fever dreamlike premise of the original film is doubled down on here. I already didn't like the unprompted stylistic nonsensical merging of Looney Tunes basketball and space, three very unrelated ideas that don't justify being combined, but now it's even more complicated and nightmarish, and this movie is two hours long! 
The film seems so proud of how many Easter egg cameos it can shove into its crowd shots tailor-made to hijack whatever fucked up part of modern film-goer brain that responds positively to fan service and inside jokes, and this is whatever when it's vague collections of characters like White Walkers from Game of Thrones or Warboys from Mad Max, but we also get in-focus background cameos from The Mask, Pennywise, Agent Smith, Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, DeVito's Penguin, and plenty of other specific iterations of WBK characters who are very clearly not being played by the original actors so even in the the warner brothers serververse um it's more like a disney world-esque look-alike situation where where like like they don't even own the genuine version of their characters um obviously you're not going to hire jim carrey for a background appearance as the mask but at the very least keep him out of focus or something it's literally just people cosplaying as famous characters something you could see anywhere um don Cheadle turns into a scorpion king style cgi mess at the end um the film sucked at the film too (laughs) dom the the film is chock full of outdated parodies and references that would get that would have would have been fucking cringy in the 90s slash 2000s i get it's a throwback but why am i seeing a matrix bullet time spoof or porky pig doing a rap in 2021 (laughs) we have outgrown these tropes please i'm begging you the only thing it's missing is a currently in vogue pop star ending the film with a song smash mouth the first space jam is woefully is a woefully stupid movie but this one is worse because it's trying to shamelessly cash in on nostalgia from not only warner brothers properties but the original film as well while having the audacity to pretend it was actually good there are moments where characters wryly point out flaws in the narrative and premise in an attempt to disarm cynical reviews like this but if you know your shit and you say your shit that doesn't mean you're not shit anymore Uh, Uh, The only good thing about the original Space Jam is the Roger Rabbit style live action slash animation hybrid, something that has been so rarely used since it was mastered, and this movie barely uses it either, having LeBron take the form of a cartoon of the Looney Tunes world, and the Looney Tunes being transformed into dull CGI counterparts in the upscaled real life world, and finally, it should have been called Cyber Space Jam. This is the worst blockbuster I've seen in years. I think this is worse than Scoob, worse than Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. If you say this was worse than Doolittle. I think this is worse than Doolittle. It's fucking not. It's fucking I not. used I, to I, think that I could not <laughs> go on. I think this is at the very least more or more of like a stab in the knife, twisting of the knife than Doolittle. Doolittle is just like a weird explosion of shit this is like yeah. something and that actually that is happens so... in the movie too <laughs> <laughs> this is something so personal and so meticulously designed mm. and it is still horrible and capitalist and ugly and and Bugs Bunny dies in this movie and we're supposed to be like oh my god Bugs Bunny died it's fucking Bugs Bunny I've seen him die I've seen all these characters die 60 years ago and they come back because they're Looney Tunes I, you saw I them die like... 60 years ago how old are you? I am a. How old no, would that no, he be? watched them die sixty years ago, so it's different. <laughs> uh, 
I liked Big Changas. He was in the movie. That was Fuck funny. off, Richard. <laughs> I, th- you sh- this should be something we can bond over. Space Jam and New Legacy being the worst movie of 2021. To me, let's bring it back in puns. It should be a slam dunk, guys. <laughs> this is so obviously the worst movie of the year. This is, this is, the people should save their spite and anger for certain movies. This is one of these movies. I thought this. This might be the most disappointing of the year, and I didn't even think it was going to be good. So. I, I had fun with it. Fuck off. It's so weird, man. <laughs> Go back to your F9 and your Space Jam 2s. I, I mean, like, why? Well, I, I think I gave it like three and a half stars. So I didn't like it that much. God, it's like a half star movie. It's so bad. Let's see. What did I give it? Um, three and a half stars. Yeah, I had fun. I mean, I don't All know. Right, I gave it I one and a half. I gave it one and a half. I don't know what you want, man. I don't know what I, I want them to not make this movie. Mm. Yeah, it was one of those movies that's like, I, like I had a similar thing when I watched Zoolander two. That it's like I watched it and I was like, I had a fine time. And same with like a million ways to die in the West. These movies that I was just like in a good felt like watching a real fucking dumb comedy. And then I came away from it being like, I didn't waste my time. That was I, I loved a million I ways to die in the West during it, and people go. Oh, would you think? Like, oh, did you enjoy it? And I go, yeah. And like, would you recommend it? Not at fucking all. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I cannot recommend Zoolander two. But did I hate it while I watched it? No, <laughs> but it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Escape Room Tournament of Champions. I did watch the first one uh, this year, and again, <laughs> bad, but i didn't mind it um and i kind of want to see also the, watched one the first one this year and thought it was terrible yeah but the, the the most offensive part about it is that the main character is so fucking bad at escape rooms <laughs> <laughs> it's like offensively bad at escape rooms and also there's two different puzzles in the movie that could be solved by pissing on them <laughs> I think that should actually be implemented in every film. <laughs> yeah. Pig, the Nicolas Cage movie, now has highest rated live action film of all time. It, um, it came out mm. here. There was one screening of it before we went into lockdown and yeah, I was, yeah. and I didn't get along to it. And then we went into lockdown yeah, and we same. missed the theatrical same. release of it. Yeah. I really want to see Pig, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. Uh, Snake Eyes didn't watch. Uh, old, no. you saw this. M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan strikes again, baby, with a movie which really like, like, what do you want from M. Night Shyamalan? This dude is Tommy Wiseau with a slightly bigger budget. Like, they're actually very <laughs> similar. No, they are, though. They're very similar directors. Like, their styles are very similar. Like, the, the stuff that's stupid about M. Night Shyamalan movies is stupid about Tommy... About I mean, The Room, as if he's done more than one thing. Um, I thought this was... Uh, pretty dumb and pretty stupid in a lot of ways but it, it wasn't i didn't think it was terrible and i think um there's a lot in it that's at the very least interesting and that's all you can ask for the beach that makes you old it sure did baby you know what <laughs> happens in the end it's like an yeah i i, I just watched a video they get old. about it they get old. Oh, that's what happens. They get old. Did you guys know that? It's a bizarre movie. It's one of those things where it's like, on paper, it, it probably reads as, as like, you know, if, if some other director did this, it would be 
a serviceable thriller but because it's m night Shyamalan, it's got just like bizarre decision making in it all the way right. through it <laughs> and now a movie we all watch we could hear jeremy's lovely voice again for one of the last times this podcast <laughs> jungle cruise this was a movie and uh, this was another one that you, aj you were really in this film's corner i remember i feel like that's fair i think it's fair to have expected this to be I, a, a good movie so- um but this was a movie i know you guys both really wanted to be good i was so excited about this i was like emily blunt and the rock how like this is just gonna be awesome Mm. (sighs) and it really really wasn't was I think um, one thing we're discovering with The Rock for all his charisma and star power is he's becoming one of those actors we do not like to see in a romantic subplot with like, mm. especially with another like, like equally as famous actress. I don't think they have romantic chemistry in this movie at all, and I felt a little uncomfortable when they kiss and stuff. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's the same, he same has as real... uh, Tom Cruise and yeah. and a few others. Like yeah. you, do, people just don't respond well to it. He has real dad energy. Like, he does not have romantic energy. He has, like, I'll take care of you dad energy. Mm. And even even if his co-stars are around the same age as him, I think it's just the size of him and kind of, like, his untouchableness that you just can't imagine him being vulnerable or... Yeah. And, and, and they just... I think also the way that they wrote his character was just so unlikable. Like, he's just... The thing about Indiana Jones, and like, and and the thing is that Jungle Cruise, it just felt like a really cheap Indiana Jones knockoff, mm. you know. And and it, also, it took the best parts of like the feel of Indiana Jones and the Mummy, which you know the Mummy was definitely in in line with Indiana Jones, but I think had its own charms and its own like mm-hmm. successes of what it did anew, and like. The beginning of it in the library, you know, like with the whole, you know, snafu with the library and Emily Blunt, that just was completely ripped off of the feel of the museum of the mummy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, It took 45 minutes for anything to happen in this movie. Like literally they just had, it was just continual set up, set up, set up, set up with no real understanding of what was going on or what they were actually even trying to go for. The villains were cheap knockoffs of pirates of the caribbean which is i think unexcusable given that pirates of the caribbean was the previous time disney did a movie of one of its rides at disneyland and then jungle cruise is the next one to be Uh, fair the villains in every one of the pirates of the caribbean sequels are also knockoffs of the villains in the first parts of the caribbean but at least that's within the one franchise like jungle cruise is meant to be its own yeah. thing i just wanted to get my digs in i just <laughs> it just there was nothing about this movie that was entertaining and it like also the 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 thing that's great about indiana jones is that it feels like a it's a practical effects movie right and so there's like weight and there's interest and there's mechanics to the action and whenever they do special effects it's like they do it for real and it might look a little shonky but at least it it feels like it's got weight and this movie was just a mess of cgi action and when they've got the boat going down the river and like going across rapids and stuff like that you're just like this isn't a real boat it's cgi pixels rocking around on the screen and i have no investment in it whatsoever but can we at least give it some props for having what Disney's 
tenth, eleventh first gay character mm. in a in a mainstream film. It's very about brave. Mm. Very brave. Of course, he he would he would never use that word uh, no, to describe. No. Um, no, don't say, don't Jesus Christ, don't use the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it has you know it has to be easily edited out or be able to go over other people's heads. Um, yeah. Like your, your 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 homophobic uncle who's so homophobic, he doesn't, he doesn't pick up any on subject. He doesn't yeah. pick up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, same month we had The Green Knight, um, which mm. was a film the internet was excited for. Yes. I did not know. Did not know anything about. This is my third rank. Ranked this third highest film of the year. I thought this was great. This is a great movie. Uh, won't say too much else because I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Dev Patel is, is really good in it. It's very strange. It's very um, uh, ethereal. Uh, it's one of those things where it, it feels like it's it's communicating meaning more than necessarily story. Um, and it's got some really, really great performances and moments and like creepy kind of world building. And I really, really like this. Yes. The Suicide Squad. At least uh, mm. we saw this one. My 10th favorite film of the year. Mm, where did I put this? Oh, no. I shut my letterboxed ranking list. What a goddamn fool. Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, significant improvement. What? Does that even need to be said? It's barely even a sequel to Suicide Squad. It's like, a, it's just clearly trying to do it again with mm. the, the good idea. I put this 12th, weirdly. I, it's, I liked it more than some films above it, but. Um. Like F9, for example, maybe. Uh, I thought I thought this was really cool. I I really this is this is like half a thing I liked and half a criticism somehow. But um, I really really loved the idea of just having this like enormous cast mm. of like famous people and then killing off most of them. I just kind of wish spoilers for the suicide squad these characters weren't killed off in like the cold open of the movie like if you look at the cast of the film most of them are killed off in the cold open and like i i I wonder if there's a more fun way to do that by just having them fill out the whole Mm. movie and just routinely getting killed off like that but that being said i thought the cold open was brilliant it's Um, it's fantastic yeah, I thought the the overall story was really good. I thought the Harley Quinn stuff, I was kind of like, eh, on. I think probably Birds of Prey has a better, like, uses the character better. Um, and I thought that um, the the villain is a, is a lot of fun to look at, a lot mm. of fun to, to watch. We'll see. Uh, and, <laughs> and yeah, and, John Cena is um, great fun. This. John John Cena is great, and his spin-off show to this movie, Peacemaker, has started. And I watched the first episode, and I thought it was pretty funny. Mm. Um, so so yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard it. it's actually quite good. Free Guy also came out. Um, Jeremy, did you not watch this? I thought you did. No, I have not seen it. Um, I didn't ask if you seen it, Jeremy. I asked if you watched it. <laughs> I have neither seen nor watched any part of this film. I I feel similar to Space Jam about this movie in terms of what it did wrong. I don't hate it as much, uh, but it's it's just it's just Ryan fucking Reynolds doing his thing, and now he's got all of Disney at his disposal. Yeah. and for some reason that comes up in a movie that's not really about being a Disney movie. Yeah, I would say though that like one thing in this film's favor and when it came out and everything like that is that it's just a relentlessly positive movie and. 
it's it's nice to watch a film like mm. that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought Taika Waititi was fucking garbage in the film and <laughs> yeah. significantly the worst part of the film. <laughs> um, getting by on the fact that he's maybe doing a Kiwi accent. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what accent he's going for in the film, but um, it's clearly he was on set for three days and was just allowed to improv and everyone went, my God, Tyke is so funny. He has this accent. Just wait till you hear it. And so instead <laughs> of actually saying anything funny, um, he just... He Julian Dennison himself. It was there. He Julian yeah, Dennison himself. Absolutely Julian Dennison himself. But it's like you... It's same thing with Julian Dennison. It's you talk to other countries and I'm sure they tell you Tyke is the best part of this film because... He has a funny accent. I was talking to Iran the other day, and Iran said to Tiger me, is the best so part of So I says to guy. Iran, I says... Yeah, so that's Free Guy. Candyman. Yeah, I saw it. This movie got... Uh, this is obviously the Candyman remake. Something that Jeremy revealed to us a couple of years ago he has extensive knowledge about, <laughs> um, which was very surprising of all the franchises to know about. Uh, I didn't like this movie that much. It got very positive reviews. I just thought it was okay. I thought um I really liked the I really liked the start of it um and I and it's it's about like a an artist and I kind of felt like the Candyman stuff ruined it because I was really enjoying watching an artist look for his new inspiration mm-hmm. and I was like can you please just give me um this movie what's the name of the the lead actor in it it's um the guy from Watchmen and and Matrix I have no idea who was in this movie Oh it's the no it's, it's the someone the second his name's someone oh yeah 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 yeah. he's great in it and i really enjoyed watching him walk around like what's the what's the word um the film no no what's the word for when like a a area of town is like rooted for for gentrification gentrification i was about to say it's not geriatric like hearing him seeing him walk around a a gentrified town and all the stuff it has to say on that is pretty cool uh but the Candyman stuff i thought was cheesier than the realistic tone the movie had set up and i didn't i didn't think it was that good um yeah sadly tell us how you really feel Mm. So, also another film that only you saw last night in Soho, a film I was very excited for, and then just why did you never not? Watched. Why did you not see? I this? have I no. Don't... Well, I mean, I was in lockdown when it came out, um, <laughs> and then I downloaded it, and then I never watched it. I I, I had a, for, for context as well. I had a, I had a week of um, after I moved house that I had no internet, and I downloaded like 15, 20 films on like on this list that I was just going to sit and watch the entire week. But instead, I played Spider Man on PS Five again. Um, <laughs> and i platinumed it don't worry but um, okay okay yeah so there's a lot of films here that i would love to have been able to talk with you about but uh if you want to talk about spider-man on ps5 mm. i'm your guy well i'll be light with my last night in soho review because i don't want to um, i also i know anything. nothing about this film i've managed to learn okay. nothing about it other than that apparently will, the fact will... it's not very good but i <laughs> <laughs> i still um and i would like to keep it that way i'm gonna take yeah, my I'll, headphones I'll... off no, no, I won't. I won't. I'm just gonna say, like, there are still ones. So. Like, um, Thomas, Thomas and McKenzie, uh, New Zealand's own Thomas and McKenzie is fantastic in it, and I really want her to get a lead role in a movie like this that is uh, better than this. Um, I don't know. This, this, I liked a lot of this movie, and then didn't like enough of it that it kind of made it one of those like, uh, 
concoctions of good and bad that I ultimately mm. don't know how to feel about. Um, but like, it, it really called into question: Am I an Edgar Wright fan? Right. Because when, like, when you're a when you're a budding film buff, especially ones the age of me and Richard, you know, you're you're doing NCEA because you're not an old man and. and <laughs> Et cetera, et cetera. Like you are basically told Edgar Wright is your favorite director. Hmm. And, and like, I kind of like accepted that, but like, when I look at Edgar Wright's filmography, I, I love hot fuzz. And then I kind of like the rest of his movies and I have various issues with the rest of his movies. And I'm starting to see, like, I don't think I'm actually that big a fan of, Hmm. Edgar Wright like practically when I think of him as a director incredible you watch yeah. he did like a a director breakdown of several of his scenes from his different movies and and the the um promo for last night in Soho incredible at his craft mm. it's just the final product of most of his films in fact I would say almost all of his films I have like some kind of glaring issue with yeah so um, I will just say as well, I just want to point out, Jeremy could have left this call five minutes ago and I would have no idea. <laughs> hey. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're almost at one of yours, Jeremy. So uh, Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. We just very recently did a podcast about this, so no point dwelling on this, but uh, it was good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Good, solid, solid movie. Um, there was the Cinderella remake, but... Um, Apparently it was bad. There was that one clip of of her that was like all over TikTok where she goes, now am I wrong? And everyone's like, why did they do this to her? Like, This was also the reason why um, James Corden dressed as a mouse and pelvic right. crossed it in the street. So I don't want <laughs> I to talk for- about it. I completely it. forgot about that. Uh, there was also Mal- Malignant, which was a horror movie, which is by all missed accounts it. very good. Um, yeah, missed yeah. it. This is I, I, be, yeah, it's- not even sure it like made it really to New Zealand, but... Mm. Um, uh, anyway, dear Evan Hansen, this is a Jeremy one. Take right, it away, guys. Jeremy. Heard great things. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so, dear Evan Hansen is uh, truly one of my favorite musicals of all time. Um, I've never seen it live on stage. I've watched like some kind of cam rips of certain parts of the show. Um, so you haven't seen it, but you've watched it. <laughs> quite, quite. No, no, no. I've, I've seen shit. I don't know. I'm just going off the words <laughs> you used, Jeremy. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, but like the the cast recording, I have listened to it. I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to it. I know the plot back and forth. Like it's just, yeah, it, it, I love, love, love this musical. And when I heard that they were doing a, a movie of it, I was super excited because I was like, actually this this musical and its subject matter is actually really, like I thought, oh, really, really suitable for a movie format actually. Um, and it's, you know, it's modern. It's not like a sort of period or fantasy musical that, you know, quite a lot of them are. Um, and they were bringing back a number of the original cast from Broadway for it, including Ben Platt. How could um, you go wrong? The titular Evan Hansen. Um, and my goodness, my goodness. I mean, like I I heard the reviews and I've got a f- couple of friends of mine who sort of are also very, very much into Derry and Hanson and we were all kind of very excited. And then we saw the reviews rolling in because uh, it came out in America before it came out in New Zealand. And it was just like, this is beyond woeful. It is actually an insult to the musical itself. <laughs> um, and so I didn't actually watch it when it came, when it came to New Zealand 
um and and then i actually watched it last night in preparation for this because i was like okay i i was so excited for this i need it i need to actually see it and 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 give a report given that you know this is my role i'm the i'm the movie musical guy um, i want to see what you have to say about um west side story <laughs> um man i it's just so I think Dear Evan Hansen is the movie to watch if you don't understand why it's so difficult to make a good movie musical because mm. it just lays bare so quickly how difficult, how very difficult it is to get and, and all the different parts of why it's difficult to get characters singing in the middle of a scene. Um, right. So they make a very weird decision and I hope that this is the very final nail in the coffin of the stupid um, like idea behind uh, Les Mis, which is where Les Mis was all like, they're singing live. We had them singing live. They weren't singing to pre-recorded tracks. They were singing there in the moment. We were capturing their real performances. And Dervin Hansen largely copies that approach. And so when you've got characters who are singing these sort of like, you know, they, they suddenly erupt into song. And Dervin Hansen is about a, a kid who's... Um, He's got a lot of anxiety and depression and he's on a lot of medication and he lives quite a lot in his own head um, and he has you know anxieties about what people think about him and stuff. And so by nature as a character and as kind of the, the, the protagonist of the musical, he's in his head a lot. And so a lot of his songs are kind of like his fantasies or him imagining what's going on. And they spend the entire movie pretty much just sitting with him in the room that he's in with other characters and he's singing to the other characters looking directly at them in the face. And you can hear the acoustics of the room he's singing in. So... You know, he's singing this this these massive notes, these big, like, you know, sort of high baritone tenor notes and like, you know, soaring soaring music is around him. And you've got all the instrumentation, which obviously is not diegetic, which is like, you know, there in the in the um dining room that he's singing in. Um, but yet his voice is placed within the dining room. Um and the other right. people what sitting the at the dining table. Fuck that sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> What on earth must that even sound like? It it's so weird because it sounds it's like his voice is like canned because you just hear the flatness of <laughs> of someone singing in a room, but it's got this lush instrumental score around it. And this is like, why it, I insisted that you watch this for the podcast, Jeremy, because I knew you wouldn't come to the table with the like stock standard. He looks like he's thirty eight years old playing a high schooler. <laughs> you would come and dissect the way they recorded the music and be able to package that the way in which we as non-musical people can understand <laughs> why that is awful that sounds stupid yeah and and so and also what the problem with dear evan hansen is like that basically the the plot line is like he's a he's a kid who ends up uh by accident there is kind of a a, a mistaken situation where he's he's meant to write letters to himself as part of his therapy starting with Dear Ian Hansen and he's and he finishes the letter sincerely me and he writes one at the very beginning of the movie talking about how depressed he is and how he sort of doesn't see the point in living sometimes and then he prints that off at the school computer and this this guy called Connor who's a total like sort of waster and also has like you know big issues and but he's quite a bully and no one at school likes him Connor picks that uh, piece of paper up off the printer by accident reads it 
and then bullies him, bullies Evan Hansen about it, and then puts it in his pocket um, and, and walks away with it after and also even Hansen has a cast on because he fell out of a tree and he broke his arm Connor is the and, and Connor basically says oh you've been asking people to sign your cast I'll sign your cast and then he writes his name in enormous letters across the entire cast so that it's like you know he's kind of marked Evan Hansen as like a way of bullying him so anyway Connor like a couple of weeks later like commits suicide and then his parents find this letter that's addressed Dear Evan Hansen in his pocket and it's signed Sincerely Me. And so they assume that Evan was extremely close friends with Connor and like Connor's only good friend. And so then Evan kind of starts to play into that because he finally feels like he belongs. And Connor's family is really wonderful. They're really wealthy. And also Connor's younger sister is a girl that Evan is kind of obsessed with. And so thing is on stage i actually love that as set up for a for a film i think that's such a oh it's 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 actually yeah. it's it's a brilliant like it's it's a very complicated situation hmm. to put a character into similar to world's greatest dad it's like a, it's yeah it's, it's it's a very interesting setup is world's greatest dad the movie we've talked the most obscure movie we've talked about the most on this podcast that movie has come up so many times without ever covering it yeah yeah. <laughs> so on on a stage, right, where you've got um on Broadway, you've got about a thousand people watching you, right? And you're sitting in an audience with you know, a thousand people along with you, looking at a stage and everyone's kind of bought into this idea that we we're watching something live. We're watching people on a stage look at us and sing at us and we're hearing the lyrics and we're like seeing a representation of real life on the stage. And so there's an automatic buy-in to things that are a little bit ridiculous. And and also, you know, everything's happening on one stage in front of you. So they bring in tables and chairs, but then they don't have like a full scene. You know, it's not real, right? Like you just have a representation of a dining room and you're, you get, oh, they're in a house in a dining room. But then they move immediately back or maybe even partway through the song, they clear out and they're suddenly in a gym. And you kind of go along with it because it's performance. But in a movie where they are sitting in an actual dining room and he's singing at them about their dead son and he's lying to them in song, suddenly the kind of performance side of it and like the impressiveness of how great his voice is and how beautiful this song is all just fades into the background and you're just laser focused on the fact that this character is just lying to a grieving family and it, it just it, it rebalances the kind of emotional weight of the film and the whole storyline. And by representing it so truthfully and not kind of in that heightened representative way of performance, it, all that's left is you've basically got this incredibly kind of weird, creepy character who's obsessed with this girl, then weaseling his way into her family and lying to them as they're grieving the death of their son. And it just it feel and also by the way he looks like a gaunt like 35 year old <laughs> he does playing, look like playing, an old man <laughs> like he he actually does and it's very very creepy that he's trying to be a teenager all of that just all of these things add up to it being just a horrendous dumpster fire of a, of a movie however i genuinely did cry in multiple moments because for all that it's terrible there are some musical moments and some scenes where they just absolutely nail the the 
the the way that they represent the music the way that they they do it there's a there's a whole scene where him and his cousin are writing emails um like because he has basically to fabricate you know retcon this this friendship that he had with connor so he basically has to write these emails back and forth to show his connor's family and in that they basically are imagining a friendship with him and so they bring the, the actor who plays connor is just representing everything that they're doing and it's just fun like there's this moment of just unbridled fun in the movie and it's again it's representative and so they get away with a heightened emotion and then there's also a massive set piece called you will be found and i bawled my eyes out i cried at the stupid movie um but it <laughs> filled me with genuine emotion and the music is just so good anyway that's enough about that movie it was terrible but i still enjoyed parts of it well thank you we've all, now we've all had one <laughs> so another musical that came out around this time um a film called annette uh which i actually saw an advanced screening of the night before we went into lockdown um so this was for the last movie i saw on cinema for a long time i watched this about a week ago i think yeah so this is music by sparks uh from the sparks brothers documentary stars adam driver marion cotillard and simon halberg from big bang theory uh and this has been an incredibly divisive film it's a very strange film um very Mm. in line with sparks if you've seen the documentary and it seems to be either a love it or hate it film i'm more on the side of loving it i, I liked it well that's not loving or hating it <laughs> yeah no, yeah I, I, it's, i'm i am somewhere in the middle but i'm erring on the side of preferring mm. it yeah i was disappointed that you disagreed with me on this but i thought simon halberg was the standout of this film i thought he was incredible i blinked and missed him <laughs> I mean, he's one of the main characters of the film, so that's on you blinking just, too much. I just mean I don't. I do blink too much, but I just mean <laughs> that like I totally didn't. He didn't stand out to me at all in this movie as being any better than anyone else. So. Oh yeah, I um, yeah. I mean, also it's like it's a you know you don't expect him to be your favorite part of a film, but I I was blown away by his performance. And there's a part in the middle of the film where he sort of just recaps the movie to the audience. And I, my favorite part of the film, I was captivated. But yeah, it's yeah. a very, very odd film. But yeah, not. not. I, I ranked this uh, 13th. Uh, my favorite part of the film was the ending. And the ending actually mm. pu- bumped it up quite. I thought it had a brilliant ending. Yeah. Um, that, that the rest of the movie felt not as quite as brilliant as maybe but yeah. um really weird music it's very interesting seeing very adam smart. driver sing yeah um that sort of thing so yeah check it out if you if you're into like fucked up like weird puppets and, and yeah. things like that so um i put this 11th uh, one below the sparks brothers actually but mm. so not long after that we have venom let there be carnage which again we've already done an episode on um behind a paywall though um but yeah uh, we don't need to dwell on it there's nothing mm-hmm. the most exciting part about it is it's post credit scene and but and also the fact that it's 90 minutes not like 92 minutes something <laughs> like that like fuck yeah give me more 92 minute movies uh many saints in newark none of us are attached to the sopranos despite aj i think you saying you were going to watch the sopranos i want to watch and it's so disappointing to get to not watch the sopranos all in time for the many saints of newark <laughs> <laughs> which apparently not great but um oh really uh well yeah i I didn't hear amazing things about it uh no time to die again aj and i've already recorded a podcast on this one this one was actually on the main channel as well so but jeremy did you have any sort of additional thoughts on no time to die um yeah i wanted it to be a lot better than it was yeah 
I think that's I, pretty surprisingly well. forgettable for all the stuff. Like, oh. if this is forgettable, then why should I watch A Quiet Place 2 or The Kingsman? The, all these movies that took ages to come out and they finally come out and then they're, they're as kind of middling, not not terrible, but... Yeah. Yeah, for a movie that, like, I mean, they make some massive, massive indents into the canon of Bond. And... Uh, the, it just felt like okay cool all right it's i mean you know it's not the worst one he did not definitely not the best one not even yeah, close but it's tired in the top four bond movies ever made i, I think <laughs> I, I i the thing is that i i think what it was is that it was a bond movie that was trying incredibly hard to be much much more mm. and i'm like you know what would have been better is if you just made a bond movie yeah what well, the, the interesting thing about this is that this is the first time they've ever made a last bond movie like everyone talks Mm. about like oh they ended in such a weird place it's like maybe if they knew that they were ending any of the other bonds tenures they would have ended like this um yeah yeah yeah. actually given like the character a send-off yeah this is the first time they've done their living i gotta disagree with your statement, Jeremy, that you wish they'd just made a Bond movie, because I actually think a movie that I wish could have been better than it was is better than your average Bond movie. Um, yeah, I, so. I'm i glad yeah. they didn't make a Bond movie, because Bond movies, generally speaking, apart from <laughs> GoldenEye and Casino Royale, and I would say Casino Royale is not really a Bond movie, it's much better than one. I bet. But I would, I would say I would say what I'm, what I'm talking about is I wish they'd made a GoldenEye. You know, like a, a oh, movie. Like, we that would wasn't... all love them to make a Golden Eye, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> but a movie that was just attempting to be like a really great Bond movie, yeah. uh, rather than being a definitive statement on like Bond, fatherhood, death, love. You know, like all these. It's just like hmm. no, it's just it's not the time, it's not the place. Just make a Bond movie. Yeah, I can't believe they are, they've only gotten it right once <laughs> with Golden Eye. So next up, uh, Halloween Kills. This was. Uh, another one that we could have done for a film franchise follow-ups, but we thought, no, we'll save it for most disappointing. <laughs> and now, since we're getting to the end of the episode and we're running out of steam and Jeremy has to go soon, we're probably not going to talk about it very long. <laughs> Halloween Kills, though, what a fucking dumb-as-fuck movie, man. Holy shit. It's, it's, it's a meme how stupid characters are in horror films. This is, this is the stupidest I've ever seen ca- horror film characters. It's supposed to be a, a commentary on mob justice, but it really misses the mark. Uh, one thing that's really interesting about it, though, is so it does the whole, like, Michael Myers is you know like is an otherworldly force kind of thing um whereas in the 2018 film they really tried to make it more like he's just a man who's like you know but this one really tried to drive home like this dude is a zombie you know and um i read uh, an interesting reddit comment from someone who saw like a very early screening of the film you know like a test screening and they said there's a moment in the film where the town thinks they've killed michael myers and goes like all right everyone let's celebrate and then michael gets up and you know slaughters them all and they said that like in the test screen that movie was like that that moment was like a jaw-dropping reveal and it's like you genuinely were shocked to see him come back and How it's like on I- earth would that be shocking yeah, but it's like the um, but they just said um, but they said, like the, the that scene was edited so weirdly and differently in the in the final cut of the film that they were like I I can't believe though they would change that like that and and I mean I'm the same I'm like how could you make that reveal shocking the second in a planned trilogy and they've killed him like oh will yeah. he come back um I 
I'm ashamed to say I couldn't quite give my make myself give this anything less than three stars. I think it might be the last three star movie I rated. Like the next thing below it is two point five. I thought this was worse than Space Jam. This I thought this was uh, better than Justice League. <laughs> so <laughs> so we can all just piss on each other's faces with that. Um, something I enjoyed doing. Um, I thought that right, there is talking about your dates again. There is enough. Um, there were enough elements I thought were cool that I couldn't quite couldn't quite give this a two point five star um, rating, and so I I also didn't really like it. It was just the there were ideas that I was like, "That's a good idea." It's a shame you didn't pull it off very well. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, the last duel. This is one that I still really want to see, but mm. never got around to. Yep, The Last Duel is my second favourite movie of the year. It could very well become my first on a good day. I thought this was excellent. This fucking rocks, this movie. It is, it is, um, it's, I, without revealing too much, I will say that, like, I would not expect Ridley Scott to make this kind of movie. Mm. I I would have thought Ridley Scott would be the kind of director who would be like, you can't bloody say anything these days. And like, even look at like his response to it flopping was like, it's millennials on their phones. <laughs> like, like it's very, he's very much like the type of caliber of director that I would put in a lot of these old greatest of all time Schrader. artists yeah who like clearly despite how brilliant their work is they clearly don't have the most attentive observation this movie is i think in my humble male opinion so feminist maybe one of the most feminist movies i've seen in a long time i think it's it's a hard watch it's very very grisly in places but very i think long as well I didn't notice it being long. I actually thought it sped by. This um, is this is one that I've kind of put off watching at home because I feel like I needed to see it in cinema to like really pay attention to it. Right. Well, I just I thought it was genuinely mm, brilliant. I do want to it's, watch it. It's a and if you're a, a Ridley Scott fan, I would say it is the it is his antithesis, his literally his antithesis to Gladiator because Gladiator is a movie about like about you know fighting for glory, and this is a movie about the squabbles of silly men you know mm. it's i thought it was brilliant Beautiful. i thought it was so good now uh, for one of the biggest releases of the year uh one that you guys were very excited for and i i i always felt this weird distance from uh, and that's dune and that distance is exemplified by the fact that i just <laughs> never saw it the last three weekends i've made loose plans to be like hey, like dune's gonna be mm. out of cinema soon i should i'm this sunday i'm gonna go never got yeah. no, i haven't had any free time the last three weeks yeah. so that's partially why uh this is my favorite movie of the year and maybe that's because i wanted it to be but i'm only human genuinely <laughs> i think that like spider-man no way home is my favorite of the year because like of course it was going to be uh, i could have ranked that at the start of the year and i feel like dune is the same for you <laughs> maybe when i first watched it i ranked it below the last year but then so very complicated history well not that complicated but but basically this got released everywhere except new zealand first and i was like i was like i am too internet to not see spoilers for this movie Mm. like i'm going to fall across them one way or another and so me and some friends we we were were like listen this is the only way we can do this me and some friends and my flatmates we we illegally downloaded it from hbo max rip and we you know we turned all the lights out in our flat and we said no talking no pausing if you have to pee that's on you and we had like an uninterrupted 
watch of it and i thought it was really good and then i went to see it in the cinemas when it came out and i was just blown away and the the pressure was off on understanding the world and i was able to just bathe in it and i thought it's just so so excellent and then i went to the movies to see it again and um i don't think i'll go to the movies (laughs) (laughs) but three times is a lot for me i don't usually see a movie three times a new movie three times in one year Um, you don't usually even see a movie once very rarely in fact statistically i've seen it'd be more correct to say i've seen no movies than any movies um i yeah i thought this is this is this is truly well all i should more statistically correct to say i've seen no movies than every movie uh this this i just thought was brilliant and everything i kind of wanted it to be there's some people say like oh it it needs it's um, it's very part one it's very part one and i agree but i think the problem there but i decided in january i would love this (laughs) whatever spider-man no way home is my number one (laughs) i no, it's it's more that um i think the real problem is is that they didn't green light a sequel until after this was completely done and i think two years is maybe a bit too long to wait for a sequel to this um i can't you know like it it very much sets things up highlights are um uh stalin skarsgård is a disgusting creepy villain really enjoyed it Mm. so yeah jeremy uh completely agree with everything you've said it is like i um i have not had the benefit of seeing it in the theaters um mm. someone it's so good in theaters dude it's someone so good in someone in this podcast refused to go see it in the theaters with me <laughs> uh, and, so... and i don't live in the same city as you because you know <laughs> what jeremy i would have gone i would have gone even though i'd already seen it i think i, I you did ask me at one point didn't you yeah and you what were like oh, i i don't i don't have time and i was just like richard i have two children i'm making time <laughs> like <laughs> Anyway, I um so I, I watched this, you know, I, I I tried to create the best environment as as with you, AJ, mm. I tried to create the best environment that could, you know, so I I I I, I uh, put the kids outside. It, I cast it to up. my screen. I put on like my um, you know, noise canceling uh, headphones and so, so you could hear the movie. <laughs> it was really awesome. It was very cool. And my goodness, how long it's been since and i think the word you used aj was so apt you bathed in this movie mm. like mm. i bathed in the atmosphere that denis villeneuve uh, cr- <laughs> cr- created and he's just so incredible at mm. creating something that you just want to like sit in like i just mm. wanted I, I could just sit in what he had and no, I mean, weirdly, for a film that has a lot of like it's world building on like such an incredible scale, but it also felt like not a lot happened. Yeah, um, I know, you know exactly what you mean. It, but but a lot happened, but it doesn't really feel like a lot happened, and so you very much forget that part one feeling because you're just like, but but it was mm. just starting. It was just mm. starting when it finished, and this doesn't sound like a plus. All the characters were incredible, and somehow we have this massive A list cast that yeah, yeah. don't, but that that they're all actors that aren't, I guess, overused by their previous characters. 
mm. you know, by the previous characters. Sure. They're, they're, they're still fresh enough to be these new characters and to almost feel like this this could be the defining role of their career. You know, like, I think, and, I think and, for Timothy Charlemagne especially, I wouldn't be surprised, especially after however many they make of these, if like this is truly his Harry Potter, you know, to what Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, and, totally. The yeah. sound, the soundscape of this film was oh, so good. And if so anyone, good. if anyone's into like, um, if anyone's into kind of discussions of soundtracks and 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 film scoring, I fully recommend Edith Bowman's um, soundtracking podcast interviews with both Denis Villeneuve and also Hans Zimmer. Um, oh, she cool. has separate she has separate podcasts with both of them talking about the music of June, and it's just like oh, it's so good. The, the um, score, and, the main score to June is is so iconic to me now. Yeah, I, just, I hear it wherever I go <laughs> because it's just it's so good. And just even the th- and I listened to it. I, I I these podcasts all got released, you know, well before I saw the film, and I just refused to listen to any of them because I'm like, no, I I can't ruin anything. And then going back and listening to the thought that went in behind, like everything Hans Zimmer did in the score mm. for the film, it's just so cool. And like it turns out that June is like was the favorite book of both Denis Villeneuve and also Hans Zimmer when they were teenage boys. So cool. like the first it was the first book that they really loved and um and they bonded over it and they kind of had this little like book club over it um <laughs> when they were considering you know what they're going to do for the film. Um and the final thing I'll say about it is because I could literally just junatic about it forever. Yay. But the final thing I'll say about it is that the the feeling at the end of the film is the closest thing I've felt to the way I felt at the end of seeing Fellowship of the Ring in cinemas in 2001, was it, I think? You know, like, and just knowing that there was so much story to go, but that Mm. what had come already was just so good. And I just, and I completely agree. I think two years is too long to wait. They absolutely needed, they needed to do the sort of, you know, one every year drop of this because, Oh, yeah. it's, oh, I'm just so excited. It's It was just awesome. And I've, I... I'm glad to hear that, like, praise her. So I watched the first 40 minutes of this and I was just way too tired. You and didn't I was mark like, that you'd seen it, though, Richard. Interesting. You didn't... Um, interesting. I haven't. You've definitely seen it. Um, You've actually yeah, like, seen more of this than Jeremy has seen of Luca or Justice League. Combined. Uh, both of them combined, actually. <laughs> um, But yeah, like, I... um, And it was, like, I enjoyed it, but it was one of these things that's like... I have to pause this now or, or I'm going to fall asleep and miss the whole movie. So I um I paused and I was like, well, we'll finish this tomorrow. And that was, what, like four months ago? <laughs> no, ironically, <laughs> and then ironically it got to the- you still did miss the entire movie. Mm. <laughs> well, I got to the point where it's like, it, it was... You could have left it, you could have kept it on and get the same experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I yeah got to the point where it was like, well, I've, you know, it'd been a week or and then it came, became two weeks, three weeks. And it's like, well, we'd have to watch the first 40 minutes again. And they got to the point where it's like, well, fucking let's just go see it when it's out in the cinema because we'll be out of lockdown. And then I just didn't. Um, Even though you were given perfectly good opportunities to. No, I've had, I've had so little free time since the start of December. Um, but I, I do, I do want to say, and it's interesting though, like I, I actually haven't heard this level of praise for the movie. What kind of the, the general, like if people's, if someone asked me, what's the, the general consensus on Dune? I would say what I've heard is it's good, but you know, I can't wait for the second one, but I haven't, I haven't seen a whole movie yet. 
Well, what I'd say is this, Richard. Um, it might not be quite as good as F9, but I think you'll find it's better than Space Jam A New Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, you've sold me on it. See, like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah, yeah. and there are so few films that operate at this scale that can truly be called beautiful, and I think that that's... That's where the true artistry in filmmaking comes from when you go that big and also that artistically coherent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, French Dispatch, Aja. Yeah, so you you guys didn't see the French Dispatch? No one. No oh, I'm not really a big Wes Anderson guy. Uh, I watched this the other night. It was the last 2021 movie I've seen, or the most recent one. Um, and uh, I thought it was really good. The only criticism I would have on it is that it is a story. So it's like it's about this magazine called The French Dispatch. And throughout it, you are told three stories from three different sections. So it's like arts and culture politics and food are the three stories and i thought that the first story the arts and culture story which starred benicio del toro um leah sadu adrian brody and a few others i thought that was easily the best one and so it's one of those situations where it's like they put their best foot forward so the movie feels kind of like a letdown in retrospect mm. because the first half of the movie is the best half i guess mm. but all of it's really good though nice uh army of thieves the the follow-up to or the prequel to um army of the dead but none of us this saw it sounds so stupid it doesn't have zombies in it <laughs> it's, it's, it's point. it sounds like a heist movie and we all know how i feel about those there we go um eternals we just recently did this um we both yep. liked it more than the general critical consensus though mm. um red notice this was netflix's big swing this year and they've announced they're doing two more back to back it's uh it contains the now iconic i'm ed sheeran bitch um uh which yeah you, sure. you know something's iconic when the 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 netflix twitter account <laughs> is the first you hear about yeah netflix tweeted red notice contains the now iconic i mean cheer and bitch and it's like and, it, and all the replies are just like this is the first i've heard of this now this is an example of the difference between jeremy and i because as you guys will notice i put a little red dot next to red notice which means i haven't seen it but i wanted to talk about it i reckon i've probably seen more of this than jeremy has of luca or <laughs> um justice league i watched I this was on in the background and I like sort of watched it. I missed the first half. I got the the ending and I did I wouldn't I didn't I did not log it on Letterbox. I did not think mm. I'd seen it enough to log it on Letterbox. I'll say this. I laughed at some of the jokes, but overall it looked very annoying. Mm. <laughs> tick tick boom, Lynn Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, um Andrew Garfield's big film for the year. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um and uh yeah musical adaptation of uh a sort of musical like an on-stage biopic that jonathan larson himself it's wrote very confusing to watch this and then try and track what exactly it's adapting because it's like it's an adaptation of a musical of a one-man show of, of a one-man show and the mu- the one-man show itself is an adaptation of a story from his life but then the movie is that story as well plus what he went on to do after mm. he made tick tick boom um, so yeah. but i thought it was really good and there's uh, you're pro- if you haven't seen anything from it you might have seen the the uh scene 30, where 90. him and vanessa hudgens oh, oh yeah 3090 is great but there's also a song called therapy which is b- between him and vanessa hudgens and it's incre- incredibly fun to watch yeah um have you seen that at all jeremy or do you know anything about tick tick boom 
No, I mean I I know the the basics of the story that it's based on, which is the creation of Rent. Mm. Um, sort of. It's more about the creation. It's about the of, guy who created Rent. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not really about, about yeah. the creation of Rent. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. I watched this on the other because I've been wanting to watch this movie for so long, um, and finally got around to watching it, and again uh, was just too tired and. Um, Pause the movie about halfway Have through. Have you not finished it? Yeah, I haven't finished it. Um, oh my I, god! I haven't had a free hour since I to finish the movie since. You, you I, know um, what, Richard? I, I you're it. just like Jeremy because you put a green dot next to this. Okay, you look, you look so you- offended at me saying you look just like. <laughs> <laughs> not, sorry. Not, sorry, not only did he put a green dot next to it, he said, "I still have an hour to go on it, but I will finish it before we record." Wow. Right, so you've watched it, but you haven't seen it I, I that's a very that's a very convenient place to stop reading jeremy yes because you added the update i did not finish like while we were recording no i didn't it was before we started recording jeremy and like i, added the, shit, I, I added the update later that's what updates are fucking for jeremy okay um <laughs> home sweet home alone aj tell us this mm. how this shitty movie was shit <laughs> Home Sweet Home Alone wasn't that bad. It was better than any of the Netflix Christmas movies we watched. Okay, well there you go. Sh- glowing review. Power the, of the dog. The, the main thing about the main problem with Home Sweet Home Alone is that they try to make the equivalent of the bandits likable characters, yeah, yeah, like like that. good people, and because of that, they are like the kid is Evil. clearly the villain of the movie, mm. um, even though he's not intended to be. And what's that kid's name? It's like Archie someone. He's from... He's from um, Archie Yates. Archie Yates. He's, he's from uh, uh, Jojo Rabbit, making him... This is what I wrote in my review for it. Uh, it is the second actor, that that child actor that can't really act, propelled to stardom by Taika Waititi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then... Um, one movie we skipped over, two mo- but two movies, um, and we can just do a quick review. Clifford the Big Rig Dog versus The Power of the Dog. Which, one <laughs> do you pre- which one's better, AJ? I have not seen Clifford the Big Rig Dog, but The Power of the Dog is excellent. You guys, I think, would both love it. Um, Again, it my, if I... Yeah. <laughs> it is my fourth favourite film of the It won year. the Golden Globe. Um, it is, it's fucking excellent. I thought it was so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, a friend of mine from work was like, oh, I was going to watch that Power of the Dog thing, but fuck, it just looked so boring. And then they won the Golden Globe that day, and then he came to work the next day and was like, I was at home last night, and I was bored, and I thought, well, I may as well continue being bored. So I put on the Power of the Dog, and my God, that film is a masterpiece. (laughs) I I genuinely think both of you would really enjoy it. It's Jane Campion, New Zealand's own Jane Campion, Mm. filmed in Twizel as... That now apparently that's the place to film westerns. Westerns, yeah. Twizel. Um, it has Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Jesse Dunst. Jesse Plemons, Cody Kirsten Dunst. It's so good. It's so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, it's if you want to make a western, you film it in Twizel. You cast Cody Smith McPhee. Isn't I oh know Benedict Cumberbatch isn't in Slow West, is he? No, it's Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I'm, I I will watch Power of the Dog, and I'm, and I'm sure it'll come up in our Oscars um, podcast mm, later in yep. the year. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Hmm. I watched this the other day. Uh, I it, I heard a lot of like middling stuff about it. I heard it mm. wasn't that great. I thought 
Uh, it's really fun. I really like a lot of the new cast. Um, the main problem with it is they're much in the way of, like, it follows in the footsteps of something like The Force Awakens, where instead of developing its own story, it's basically a retread, like an in-canon retread of the first mm. movie. A you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sort of, but in the sense that it's like, it's giving you the first movie again because that was the one you liked. Um, yeah. And I think they probably could have achieved largely the same result by not having Goza and Zool and Stay Puft return. I think you right. could have created an original mythology for it that, you know, basically achieved the same result. And my theory is, is that this is what the original script looked like because very late in the movie, they introduce a, like, sort of ghostly character who's, like, the founder of this town. And he's in it very briefly. Um, and, play, you know, it's a cameo role, basically, from an, a named actor that you will all know. Um, and it felt Bill so Murray. much... It felt so much like this was supposed to be something much bigger, bigger in, in right. the original film. Yeah, I'm going to look up who the actor is. I can just tell you, and I cut it out if you want. Is it Celeste O'Connor? No, it's J.K. Simmons. Oh, fun! Is like in, in a human form, or is it? Yes, our sort of he's he's like risen from the dead, um, right. and then gets killed on screen within the scene he's been introduced in. It's right, very. Interesting. <laughs> it's like a joke it's like oh they got jacket oh he's dead yeah that's although because right. he's quite good he's been in all of jason robbins films so that's probably why uh, also the the legacy the returning legacy characters some of which are revealed in the trailer mm. uh, while you know of course it's fun to see them it's like this is now a different movie <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> like paul rudd has been kicked out of the his own movie basically for the for the sake of like old men <laughs> to come back in <laughs> also another uh but this one's a new ip encanto mm, yeah uh look the songs are great the movie's fine didn't didn't love it but uh we don't talk about bruno and under pressure are two disney greats that i think um were we a little younger we would be singing them with the same uh passion that we sing things like um friend like song. me yeah yeah, friend like me, sure. Yeah, so um, uh, House of Gucci, this had Missed, such a I tiny... I need to see it. Yeah. But apparently um, it's bad. Yeah, mm. truly, truly a movie that I wish I had hate-watched already because I would mm. love to fucking do a rant about this movie on this podcast, but sorry, guys, mm. I did not watch it. Mm. Well, this feels like it's one of those things where it's like, it's so bad, it's now out of Oscar conversations. <laughs> oh, definitely, 100%. Well, although Lady Gaga apparently is still like... Very oh, much Lady in the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Well, they got to get her to sing at the um at, yeah, the, yeah, at the ceremony. <laughs> Licorice Pizza. This has its first screening in New Zealand tomorrow night, so none of us have seen it. Looking forward to it. I reckon it'll make my top top ten. Yeah, I'm really excited to see it. Um, so much so that I've been planning for months to go to the screening tomorrow night. Uh, but it wasn't until this morning that I thought actually I should buy a ticket for it. Found out it's sold out. So um, I am not <laughs> going least, to. It. At least it's not because you have COVID. Hmm. <laughs> Or because you yeah. couldn't be bothered to go to the movies with Jeremy. Jeremy, I could, it's not that I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> it's that I didn't want to. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, update, update, guys. I've updated the spreadsheet to say that I did not finish watching um, both 
of those movies. So in in terms of the rules of the spreadsheet, I admitted I admitted it fully and we can all okay, move on. Let me just turn red notice into a green a fluorescent green. <laughs> okay. Um the King's Man, AJ, you want to talk about this? Is this just that it couldn't maintain its hype for very long? It is that apparently it's not very good as well, which is like oh. Well, mm, I, I haven't really heard. I haven't heard anything strong about it, but um. But that's that's the thing, right? Like that's yeah. my point. Yeah. I talked to a colleague of mine about. She said like, oh, I went and saw the Kingsman. It was my birthday, and I decided to go to a movie, so I went and saw the Kingsman. And this is a colleague that I don't know super well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on friendly terms with her. Was it? No, it was not. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> she's. <laughs> I'm definitely bleeping that out. Um, Why did you, how do you know that name? Oh, Why did this, you say that name? This is, this, um, is the, this is the darkness of where uh, Richard and I actually, our roles intersect in real life in a very tangential way uh, between okay. our two organizations. Okay. Anyway, um, but so I I know, you know this colleague of mine. She's she's younger. She's you know a female. Oh, oh gosh, I didn't just say female. Please, oh, she's a woman. <laughs> she's um, a female. She's one of the. She's one of the females. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of female persuasion. I went to broadcasting school with a guy who relentlessly called women females, and it was bizarrely oh. sexist. <laughs> it oh, was I'm like, so like that. just saying the word, but it was like the female. I'm so so gutted that I have now joined him in that. Anyway, so (laughs) consider that coming. Just just to give you context for what happened, I said, "Oh, the king's man." Um, Weird question, but was there? And she's like, "An anal joke?" Yes, there was an anal joke. (gasps) Jeremy, thank you for asking. It's not an anal joke in. Kingsman 2 though there is an anal joke in the second one. Oh, there is but it's not the like bizarrely the, out the, of place yeah. horrible dirty scene yeah yeah okay. yeah but I was just and, and it was just amazing to me that like we we have not talked about movies in any way I didn't know that she <laughs> but you've talked about had, anal a lot <laughs> <laughs> no but like but it's just it's 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 that well in the in the zeitgeist about the Kingsman movies that like she knew that that's what I was about to ask about this really movie funny. that she'd just gone and seen. Another, uh, so that's Kingsman, um, which actually only just came out, it technically came out in 2022 here, but um, West Side Story, one of the biggest releases of the year, uh, none of us have seen yet, but I'm sure as it comes to Oscar season, we'll, we will. Um, sort of final handful of films we've got, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, we obviously spoke at length about, we don't need to, uh, Matrix Resurrections, again, uh, we spoke at length about recently, Nightmare Alley only just came out today, uh, so we, we're recording this instead of going to see it. Tragedy of Macbeth, none of us have seen yet. It also only just got released in the last couple of days. Oh, which, but I, I deeply, deeply want to see that though. Yeah. It looks, oh, it just looks interesting. Like it doesn't necessarily yeah. look good, but I very much want to see what they do with it. What, what, what Joel, Joel Cohen has done with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the last sort of big release of the year that got everyone talking is a film called Don't Look Up. I um, was lucky and I saw this in the cinema at the start of December. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have seen it yet. I also saw it. On, I watched it on Christmas or New Year's Eve. No. When did I watch this? I watched this at some point. It came out on uh, Christmas Eve. I must have watched it like Boxing Day then. Yeah. So this is um, Star Studded Cast, directed by Adam McKay. Uh, got Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Hamish Patel, Melanie Linsky, Michael Chiklis, uh, Chris Evans has a Barely. little cameo, and 
the person I was most excited to see in the film was Matthew Perry, uh, and then he was not in the in the film. But yeah, it's um, a divisive film. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people. Basically, uh, the the general vibe of this film is that it's super um the first the first wave of reviews were like oh my god we get it it's a metaphor Mm. for climate change this is as subtle as a kick in the face like this is so bad and then the second wave of reviews which i think both you and i richard find their homes in is like i (laughs) thought it was pretty good like i think Mm. that the the um the meta the you know the not so subtle metaphor is like well whatever okay like well and it's also like we've tried to be subtle before yeah exactly remember remember when you fucking did your essay on knives out and 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 half the people were like this is so obvious and the other half were like don't try and make knives out political yeah and it's like that's what happens when you make it subtle (laughs) yeah um, I, I, I would say I really fucking liked this movie. I ranked it uh twelfth behind Mitchell's oh, yeah. and the Machines. I went into this that- expecting and kind of wanting to hate it, and I mm. really enjoyed it. And I, I was, I actually thought I would enjoy it. And there's some stuff I love in it. And there's some stuff I really don't love in it. Yeah, um, the editing's and- fucking weird. Yeah, and uh, a lot of like that Adam McKay kind of stuff. We've seen him do in Vice. Uh, but yeah, super, super interesting. And I would, um, I would recommend, I, I'm interested to hear what you think of it, Jeremy. I think hmm. there, I've got various things I want to say about it, but they're kind of spoilery and I don't know if, if I want to spoil it. Um, but yeah, I, I like the title. I think don't look up is a, is a great hmm. name for a movie about people ignoring a, a meteor heading to, to earth. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah. and getting Meryl Streep to play a Trump allegory is, truly genius comedy casting i think because Mm. she was so like vocally out against trump and it's funny to see someone like that then play you know Mm. again an allegory for him yeah but you do end up that like a lot of the characters are just real annoying and it's like and yeah certain parts of a a, you know certain people always stay there welcome things like that and um but yeah, it, it is this thing that you and I saw. Yeah, like you said, we both had the reaction of like, yeah, it hits you over the head of the metaphor. And it's like, sorry, cucks. I like to understand my films. Um, <laughs> but this is this is one of those. Th- there's, so there's, I was the, there's two types of people that Joker was their favorite film of 2019. Um, one is a gamer, and the other is the like the kind of person who only saw one movie nominated for Oscars that year, and it was Joker because it was the biggest one, and that second group of people don't look up as their favorite film of this year of 2021 it's the same kind of like it's the only sort of vaguely challenging intellectual sort of film um they watch and so it's like it has that kind of element to it where i think i want to be a little bit holier than thou with it um mm-hmm. but i also watched fuck all movies uh, last year so um yeah, I'm, that second I'm down person in the mark describing is maybe you this year you have ranked f9 fourth on your list. yeah i put don't look up um 16th and i, I probably like it more than movies that's, but rankings are so arbitrary who gives a shit but oh. yeah don't look up um yeah the kind of surprise of the year now three two one what are our most disappointing films of the year oh god three two one wait, wait, i'm not ready i'm not ready three two one richard fear street trilogy three two one jeremy oh 
I, I didn't watch enough to be disappointed. I was just thankful for any time I got a chance to watch a movie. <laughs> it's just an honour to be nominated. <laughs> it's just an honour to be sitting in a dark room by myself with no interruptions for two hours. <laughs> um, mine was maybe Candyman. Or actually, probably Last Night in Soho, which I still ranked like 18th, but I really wanted to like it more than I did. Mm. Well, that's the podcast. Um We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our most anticipated of 2022, which we will mm-hmm. be well and truly into 2022. And I may have already seen my favourite movie of 2022. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening, everybody. Let us know what you thought was the most disappointing film of 2021 uh, in our comments or on our Discord, which there'll be a link to in the show notes. Um, you can also support us by uh, donating to our Patreon, if you like, patreon.com slash coldpopshire. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, among other places and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't already you probably have because you're listening to two and a half hours of this one so i imagine you've subscribed by now stay tuned for the post credit scene and we'll see you in the discord I thought you were doing like the Oscars outplay music. What's that? Okay, welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment where at the end of each episode, if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash coldpops, you get to give us something to talk about, and this is the post credit scene. Jeremy's still here. The man <laughs> will not quit. Am I, um, and am I the only guest who like always stays to the post credit scene? You're not a guest, you're a sometimes host. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, uh, and- Jeremy is a sometimes host. <laughs> uh, Richard, who is today's post-credit scene from and what is it? Today's post-credit scene comes to us from Joshua Cole who writes, you have to share a bunk bed in perpetuity. Who gets the top bunk? No switching. I- I'm taking bottom bunk, dude. Fuck I'm taking the bottom bed. bunk. No, I said it first. I get I get too claustrophobic on the top bunk. Interesting that this is a question that can only be answered by a pair of people. It's a binary a question. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know what? It, what? This wasn't even the next question, but I thought I didn't want to have to think about something too hard. So I did a different question. <laughs> I will fight you for that bottom bunk, Richard. I will fight you. I will cut your throat. Right. Well, <laughs> well, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I will sleep on that bottom bunk with you. Uh, I actually prefer that. <laughs> did you guys have to share bunks when you were kids? No. The two of us, we didn't know each other. We were in our twenties. Thank you, thank you. No, but did you, <laughs> did you ever have to sleep in bunk beds? Uh, yeah. Like, if we uh, were like, you know, on holiday somewhere, and oh, I, no, we had main installations. Yeah, we had like, I shared. I probably shared. I sh- I think I shared a bunk with both my younger and older siblings. Were yeah, you at, at some point in my life? Which yeah. which bunk were you? Um, when I like, well, that's the thing. When I was young, it was like, of course, I want the top bunk. Yeah. When I grew up, I was like, no, 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 I'm taking. I would that. rather have my throat cut than take the top <laughs> bunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah so- um. Yeah, we're sharing the bottom bunk. That's the answer, Josh. But it's yeah, yeah. Uh, top bunks are uh, like seem like such a cool idea. And then you get up there. Like I, I cannot. I think I've already told the story before on a post credit scene. But I like sleeping with the ceiling too close to my face freaks me out feels like i'm sleeping in a coffin hate it 
And then having to get up and down in the middle of the night. Jeremy, did you have to share? It's like living in a loft. <laughs> hmm. Jeremy, did you ever have to sh- have bunk beds? Yeah. So my older brother and I shared a room with bunks for many, many years. And because he was the older brother, he always got to choose the top bunk. And he always did. And I was always really pissed off about it. Not just because I wanted the top bunk, but also because he rocks himself to sleep. And talking to his mm. wife now, he still rocks himself to sleep. Like, And he sort of goes like, eh, eh. Yeah, yeah, Honey, yeah, he's masturbating. Yeah. Sounds like he might be doing something. Else. <laughs> <laughs> he's masturbating. I'm sorry would, to be it, the one to he tell would do, you. This. He would do kind of like he would do kind of like two two rocks on either side, and we had a wooden bunk bed, and, and then so it'd the, start rocking really fast, at, and then it'd stop. When he was at the top, because he was on the top, it would rock the entire bed back and forth for like maybe forty minutes while he got himself to sleep every night, and I hated it do be like that sometimes <laughs> um do you know what's mo- what's most fascinating about that story me Jeremy? story jeremy story story me <laughs> that story it's jeremy story time <laughs> um is i did not know you had a brother <laughs> update they're, they're I have adopted a brother. they're adopted dude they don't look anything alike it's 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 oh you, sorry you, you, sorry you, aj you, aj are you trying to say that because we're adopted, we're not Adoption proper. is invalid? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm more saying that, like, if you know and love Jeremy for certain qualities, I don't think the the resemblance... Well, obviously, there is no resemblance, which I think in this arbitrary little uh, garden path that I'm walking across for the end of this post-credit scene <laughs> is the most fun part of finding out someone you know well has siblings. <laughs> it's how much they look like each other. <laughs> Yeah, how weird is it when you find adult twins and like you you discover that this person you've known for ages has someone who just looks like them? Yeah. It's, it's anyway. so crazy. Anyway. But evil. Evil. It's weird. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 